As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? Not much. How you doing, Dave? Good. Good. Busy week for the Braves it was, finally. Um, And uh, I think now we can say, you know, with spring training a week away, they're ready to go. I mean, you know, it's been a while. You you wondered how they're going to fill it in. I felt all along there was a good chance that Ozuna was going to come back somehow, some way. You know, there were there were weeks where you know the rumors were that they had moved on, but I never felt that they had moved on. I, I thought that it always made the most sense to me. You know, it, as long as there was not going to be a DH, no other. I didn't think AL teams were going to jump on board, so it always made the most sense to me that he would come back here. Yeah, I I didn't feel like that. I just had a bad feeling about it, but I'm Did you? I'm I'm happy to be wrong. I just I thought his market was going to go. You know, it's different because of the COVID and teams losing money last year. But I thought somebody, especially maybe yeah. the Mets or somebody, would just splurge on him after the year he had. But I'm yeah. glad they didn't. Yeah, I mean, uh, as much as I want the DH this year, and I think most people do, I think uh, this helped the Braves. Because if, if 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 you'd have opened the market up for yeah. him with all the AL teams, he gets no doubt in my mind. Yeah, and I think he would have been out of their price range. As much as he wanted to come back here, I think if somebody else had offered him $20 million more, been hard to turn that down, which might be his last con- huge contract. Most cases, that's tough to do. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not and for know- Freddie. Freddie might be somebody that could do that, but most guys are going to take that 20. When Tampa came in at the last minute, you know, and, and his agent went to him with that offer, it kind of told me something in that, hey, you know, Tampa wants him and their AL team. It makes some sense. But it also, you know, Tampa wasn't going to offer a whole lot of money because they don't have a lot. No, and so you knew that where the market was. If his agents taking that offer to him, you know, yeah, if his it's agents even bothering him, put that out there. Exactly, you knew yeah. if Tampa's involved, and those are the, that's the only team that's being mentioned. Tampa and Oakland start getting in the mix. You know, there's a, a bargain. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> Tampa's not waiting in if there's a lot of big teams involved because right. they yeah. know they're not going to go multi-year. You know, yeah. <laughs> anywhere close to uh, when he ends up getting sixty-five. Guaranteed 80, 80 over five. If it goes, Tampa isn't going to go half that high. They're going to try to get them on a one or two year deal, you know, because their payroll is just puny. 
Yeah, and it's it's tough being in his spot because I mean I'm sure it crossed his mind, especially if someone came and said, "We'll we'll pay you twenty five for one year or something like that," you know. Right. But you're getting older, and yep, he's already been in this position where he's had to take a one year deal. Yep. And, and do the prove it year, and that, that's a lot of added pressure. So I'm sure he wanted to capitalize, but yeah, I, I mean, I, if I were him, I would have I would have done what he did. I mean, I think he's in a good spot now. Great spot. If you and if you're him, you don't want to play for a fourth team in five years. You know, no, no. You, you're totally comfortable with Atlanta. You don't have that break-in period. You love these guys here. I mean, they really like they really like each other. Yeah. And you know the whole routine. You know, spring training, the flight pattern, the flight schedules, going back and forth to his family in Miami. I mean, it made just made all the sense in the world. And for the Braves, I mean, this is huge. This was, I there was a huge hole in their lineup behind Freddie Freeman without him. Now, if they could have signed Justin Turner. I think that would have been a pretty good yeah. plug-in. But then you're moving Riley out to left, which isn't ideal, but it would have worked. And I think the offense could have been, you know, every bit as good, you know. Uh, but Justin Turner's 36. He wanted multi-years. So you're getting into uncomfortable territory if you're the Braves. That's not where Alex likes to tread, you know, multi-year deals for guys on the that are closer to 40 than 30. Yeah. And you knew Turner wasn't going to take a one-year deal, or probably not even a two-year deal. Maybe two, but if it's, it's going to be high if it's two. AAV. Yeah, I mean he's hit, he's been hitting for a while, but I mean yeah. he's getting up there in age too, you know. Yeah, that's why that that DH is going to change a lot of things when it comes through because there's going to be guys like Nelson Cruz, more guys in that mold that are able to stick around and find DH jobs when there's twice as many. But yeah, yeah, I like wouldn't Julio see, Franco could have stuck around longer. Yeah, but I wouldn't see. I bet Turner's going back to the Dodgers. I think so. I think that's like uh, Ozuna. It just seems like a yeah. The, the perfect match for him. I mean, he's the heart and soul of that team. You know, hey, what do you tell your fans when you let that guy go after after you win the World Series? You know, you can't keep the band together for try one more to repeat, right? Because of over haggling over five million dollars or whatever, you know. And you just gave Bauer forty mil a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you when you did Bauer eighty five million over the next two years, it's almost like you you almost have to sign Turner now because if you <laughs> yeah. won't give Turner, you know. Twenty-five million a year for three years, whatever. Yeah, guy that's done it for you. What does that say, you know, to your fans? Right. It's a cash machine out there. I mean, they're just rolling in dough. Yeah. So you're already over the luxury tax now with Bauer. So what's the difference? Just do it. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting under that. So we got COVID protocols and rule changes. I want to go through some of these with you. Get your opinion on them because they are my, they are real. There's a minutia this year. We're getting them all. It's a lot of us the same ones as last year, but this year they're written out and they're also there's going to be penalties and those are written out and uh, uh, and it's you know obviously six to eight months this year instead of yeah. two months. So it's a little well, different. So we'll go over that and uh, seven and uh, a half to nine months if you go all the way. Yeah, and the rules that are rules that are being brought back, the changes that are being brought back, seven inning doubleheader games, extra inning rule with runner at second, which I like both of those. DH, not, at least not yet, and expanded playoffs, not so far. Still, that still could happen, though. We'll get to that in a minute, though. First, I just want to go over Marcel a a bit, since this was the biggest move for the Braves all year. I mean, Charlie Morton, that's a big sign for the Braves, real big sign for next year. But Marcelo Zuna is by far the biggest signing, the biggest move they've made all year. It's You're locking up this guy for four years and and probably five. I mean, that's a really – Nice fifth-year option there, unless he just really falls apart. But he's only 30. He's going to be 33 when they're deciding on that uh, fifth-year option with a million-dollar buyout, $16 million option. 
I can I can see him staying here five years. So you're looking at keeping this core of players with with uh, Ozzy Acuna, Ozuna, and of course Freddie Freeman's going to be signing his extension any time now. I think so. You're you're looking at these guys staying those four at least for the next half decade. That's pretty that's pretty strong to start with that bunch. Well, it's really cool too. Yeah, not a lot of teams get to pencil in that one, two, three, four like that. Yeah, you know, or, or the same lineup year after year. I remember, you know, the Phillies had that for a while when I was playing for the Braves, and and you knew you were getting uh, Rollins, Victorino, Utley, and Howard. And I think that 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 has a big effect on how the how the lineup meshes, how the lineup flows, and and bringing Ozuna back. I think he was one guy on the team last year that you could look at and say he made an impact every game and just yeah. the what just having him behind freddie the impact mm-hmm. that made last season you saw it from yeah. day one all the way through um he was a guy that you know losing him is is something that you're like shit i don't know how the team's gonna do without him if you, if you lose other guys you know sometimes they just you fill up you fill in the holes but it just seemed like i don't know if anybody had the ability to fill that hole the way ozuna would you know i mean it was definitely going to be a step down if they didn't get him back yeah, I mean, he led the league in home runs and RBI. Yeah. So there were games where he might have gone 0 for 4 and struck out two or three times. But even those games, he had an impact because of what Freddie Freeman right. was seeing in front of him, you know? Yeah. Um, and so you got a chance to lock that in now. If you lock in Freddie, you could lock in that lineup for five years. Yeah. And then you're looking at Pache. If he becomes what we think he's going to become, there's another guy that's under that's under club control, affordable for at least, you know, four or five years. So really you're looking at more than half your lineup locked in yeah. for a half decade. That's know? cool. Yeah. That's uh that's not a bad place to start. Then that gives you the uh, flexibility to fill in with, you know, a trade here and there. You got the you got some prospects and some surplus outfielders and a couple of catchers that you could trade. Uh, you probably have some pitching that you could trade. So you can make a trade. Uh, eventually, Alex is going to trade a top prospect. He hasn't done it yet, but it's going to happen. And uh, and and you're going to have, when revenues come back, you got to think they're going to come back strong, you know, in another year. Yeah. The Braves will be back on the ascend with their payroll, which had gone up like three years in a row, which is going to take a step back this year. But it was going to go up this year from 152 last year, would have been on opening day. So it could have probably been 160 this year if payrolls, if uh, revenues had been normal. So you're going to see the, the, when you've got the all these guys locked into to decent uh, club friendly contracts, you're going to have the ability to, you know, to go out and fill in with a free agent or two, you know, when you need to, back the way they used to do. Well, yeah, you probably don't sign Ozuna to this deal if if Albies and Acuna still got to get paid over the next few years. Yeah, if you haven't locked them up on those <laughs> extensions yet, because they're going year to year arbitration, they're taking almost all that money for themselves. Right, and by now, and now you're trying to sign Acuna to an extension because you ain't going to let him go. Well, yeah. imagine trying to get him to that deal right now after mm. he's done this for three years. I can't believe they got it when they got it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Ozzy was a good example. You know, last year was only a small sample size. It's only 60 games. But he's an example of where I'm with you that it was extremely club-friendly. But I could yeah. see at least where the Braves said there's not – there is some risk involved with Ozzy. It's not like Acuna where we know he's going to be a superstar. There was still some question with Ozzy. Well, last year, you know, he's an undersized guy. Who knows if there if its body's going to take a beating? But he missed half the season, you know, with the yep. wrist thing. Yep. So, you know, it's not it's not the slam dunk that that Acuna is. Acuna's deal is going to be the best club friendly contract in baseball, and yeah. Ozzy's could be. But yeah. there is it's not as it's not as slam dunk like it is with Acuna. But anyway, it's both. almost like both those have injuries already baked into the contract. 
<laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? They're, they're so yeah. cheap. Yeah, exactly. You can still, they could play 100 games a year and they're a great deal. <clears throat> yeah, certainly Acuna is, man. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so the, the the contract that Acuna, that uh, that uh, uh, Ozuna gets is four years, $65 million guaranteed. It's $64 million over the first four years and a million-dollar buyout. That's why you say $65 million of that fifth-year option, which is $16 million. So if he goes five years, it's $80 million for – or I'm sorry, it's uh, – uh, uh, what did I say? What did I say? It's $80 million for five years, which for a guy that made $18 million the last – what, yeah. last year and was going to make that in uh, arbitration last year if he had taken the qualifying offer from the Cardinals – um, that's a real good deal for the Braves, man, because you don't know where the economy is going to go in baseball and all that. But he's a 30-year-old guy, not a 35-year-old guy. So he's going to be 33 in the fourth year of that deal. Should be still in the prime of his career. Uh, and it goes $12 million this year. So he's taking a pay cut from $18 million to $12 million this year, which gave you the ability to come back on your payroll a little bit and still go out and add a reliever, which I think they will do, and maybe maybe a small bench piece. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you're not in an MVP, you know, conversation too often right. to take a pay cut going into free agency. Mate, won the Edgar Martinez DH of the Year award. Yeah. First team all ML, MLB and Silver Slugger award and finishes sixth in MVP and takes a pay cut from 18 to 12 million. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the guy that wanted to be back here bad. Yeah. And that's followed by 16 million in the second year of the deal, then 18 million in each of the last two years of the deal. So really good deal for the Braves and good for him because he's got security now. He's tired of moving around, tired of the pressure of you know trying to play for free agency. He's got security and he loves being here. He loves this this team. He said that was the best experience of his career last year, which I thought said a lot because yeah. he got, got played in St. Louis, Baseball City, and they went you know to the playoffs. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Teams getting value out of guys now is letting them be themselves. You know, mm-hmm. I know St. Louis has a little. Atlanta wasn't the loosest culture either for a long time, but that's part of what Snit's done is just embrace that side of players and let them have fun. Really changed. That that might have been a big factor in the whole deal. If he didn't have any fun and put up the same numbers, you know, he might he might not be coming back. He might have taken a one year deal or, or gone somewhere else. Yeah, a player like him, a kind of flamboyant player like him, or, or even Josh Donaldson. I don't know to a degree. I don't know. God bless Bobby Bobby Cox. We love him to death. But he had a way of doing things. It was a little bit different, more buttoned-down team. I don't know. I mean, Bobby, you know, if he stick around long enough managing, he probably he might have changed a little. I don't know. But I don't know if a guy like Azuna flourishes as much. or ha- I should say he still produces the same. But I don't know if he has as much fun and wants to be back and is willing to take that kind of a deal to come back as he did with this team. And the loose spirit, the, the guys they have. They have a loose, really – uh, clubhouse that everybody really gets along, but the music and all that, that's a big yeah. part of what he does, man. Yeah. Bobby it, didn't it, allow music. <laughs> no, no. We still, I mean, we had a good time. Oh yeah. We had, a, we had a great group of guys. I mean, those are the most fun years of my life, you know, that, that I had. Um, yeah. but it's definitely different. And 
there's something about guys getting to just feel free and be themselves on the field that, you know, for me, I didn't need to be doing any of that to feel right. good, but right. certain guys do and taking it away from them, you know, it, it, it could change the way they play. I, I think, I always think, you Escobar is a great example. Yep. You know, he, he was probably the, he's probably top three most talented shortstop I played with mm-hmm. offensively, defensively, like the guy should have been a lot better player, but I think he came over to America and I just think he never, I don't think he ever got comfortable. And I yeah. think he was always frustrated, but that type of thing, you know, if, if, if he had the atmosphere Ozuna had last year, you never know what would have happened if he could just go out there and whistle and jump around and do all his annex, you know, it, it might've changed the way he played. I mean, and, and, and I mean, it's there below the surface, but let's just say it. How about the Latin culture and how they've embraced that and being playing free and easy like they do in winter ball and like they do in yep. the Latin countries. It's different. They let them do stuff down there, the bat flips and all that, that until the last few years weren't accepted here. No. Well, the Braves have embraced that like most of the good – all the good teams have all guys that play are. like that. Look at the guys. Look at the Padres, Tatis. Look at the Dodgers, you know? They all have – they let guys play and be loose and be free and and not, and not be all buttoned down, you know, and not worry about haircuts, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's the way the game's gone. And if you want to if you want to lop off a big percentage of the players or not let them pl- – or get them and then not let them be free and play the way they want to, who knows if Tatis is going to play the way he does or Acuna or Ozuna last year or the threesome of Ozuna, Albies, and Acuna together. If they, if they can't feel like – what they're doing is completely embraced and accepted. Like they have to be walking around on eggshells. Is that okay of me to do that? Or to turn my music up like that? Or to play Latin music salsa in the clubhouse or something, you know? Yeah. Some, you know? Well, they there's don't science have to worry about behind all that. that too. You know, there, there's like real science behind posture and the way it affects your your mental, your mindset. You know, like there's, there's athletic... Um, kind of like psychological coaches in the game that, that encourage that stuff and, and, and talk about how important it is. Um, but, you know, like for me, I think the, the big change came when the WBC was on TV and, and Venezuela and Dominican were going at it. And all uh-huh. of a sudden they realized there's, there's no white guys on these fields. Yeah. You know, like yeah. on either side. And they just started, they were running all over the field. Right, they weren't, right. they weren't throwing at each other, getting mad. Cause that's the way they do it at home. <laughs> and I think MLB kind of saw that and right. saw how, the entertainment aspect of it. And I think that from then on out after, after those, you know, those tournaments that that were on TV, I think it's like slowly just loosen the reins and more and more players are just getting the, the go ahead to do whatever they want out there. And And you know, for me personally, it pissed me off at first because I was taught that it should piss me off. Right. But after time, I kind of started looking at it like what, why does What's it the, piss me off? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I'm just I just know that I'm supposed to be pissed when guys do this. But yeah, I mean, it does, it hurts more when when someone's. It's easier to sit here in my couch and watch on TV and be like, yeah, let him throw his bat around. I mean, it hurts when you give up a 500 foot shot and the guy lets right. you know. But people want to see that, so it's it's a good entertainment aspect. Or if it's a mediocre player, you know, yeah, and he's not, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and he's making a bigger he's making a bigger show of the side stuff than his actual performance. But when it's great yeah. players doing it, yeah, you got to accept that, embrace it, let them play, man. And you know, the other half of this is you got to have the right guys on your team, the Anglos or the black dudes. If they, if you got black dudes on your team that, that are the, that believe in it too. And yeah. they don't like roll their eyes or talk yeah. about it, you know, amongst themselves privately or with the manager about how they don't like it. You got to have the right guys, you know, so it all works together. The Braves have the perfect guys for it with Freddie Freeman, 
you know, with Nick Marcakis, even though people might think otherwise. Nick Marcakis is perfect with that stuff. As long as a guy came comes and plays, busts his ass, Nick is will accept it all, man. You know, not that Nick's on the team right now because he's not. I'm just saying for those people out there that are going, oh God, Nick Marcakis is back. I know some people don't like him for some reason. <laughs> they're they're crazy for not, but because he doesn't, you know, that's the other side of it. He doesn't really. I mean, if he if he had some chains and a crazy haircut, right, he might have some younger fans, right. But, but just like he, he's, just, he's being himself. But just because he doesn't come across that way to people on interviews, they might they might think he's an old fuddy duddy and doesn't. He's that, not. But he's not at all. I mean, he's good friends with those with uh, Azuna or, or with uh, Acuna and Ozzy. I mean, he he loves those guys. So yeah. That's a huge part of it, man. You got to have the right guys in the clubhouse. And Alex, to his credit, has done a fantastic job getting the right guys top to bottom. Not even a bad apple in the bunch. And then Snit, of course, we've talked about how he is, you know, how he melds it and has been willing to adapt. A guy that's been in with this organization for 44 years. And he acts like a manager who's 30 years younger with his willingness to change with the times. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think you have to. It, this, it's it's not while maintaining it's not going discipline. Back. While maintaining discipline. Yeah, well, that's that's the other side of it. You know, there's there's been some occasions like with with Acuna not running out a ball. Right. It, it's none of it's like you know we're trying to tame you or not let you be yourself. But winning still has to be the priority. You know that the game situation at hand has to be the priority. And there's just certain things you you can't risk walking halfway to first base unless the ball is going to be twenty rows deep. Yeah. You know, you can't put your show ahead of the team and just simple stuff like that. You know, that's that's not asking a lot. And bringing all this back to what the subject, what got us off on this is Ozuna was integral to all this last year. Yeah. He is. We've talked about this. It's one thing to have, you know, uh, uh, we talked about how he's kind of the Martin Prado of this team and that yeah. he's able to to. Everybody likes him, and he's able to kind of meld guys. The bridge. He's a bridge. He's a bridge, but he's yeah. also a loud bridge. And yeah. I think the young guys, I think I, I haven't had any of them tell me this. I've Just from observation, I think there's a lot to a young Latin guy seeing one of their own be yep. one of the loudest guys in the clubhouse and fully embraced for who he is. And By everybody. Have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, not having to adapt, you know, just right. be yourself. And and everybody wanted him back. Everybody wanted Azuna back. When you yeah. got the MVP saying we need we got to bring him back, and then the first guy who posts on Twitter after Azuna signs is Freddie Freeman, who posts on Twitter. I love this. Let's go! Exclamation marks all over the place. You know. Yeah. So it's uh, and I had Kevin Seitzer. I texted him. I said, "Well, that's a relief for you. I bet, huh?" And he goes, "Oh man, so happy, Kevin Seitzer. You know, talk to." Uh, Rick Kranitz last week about another story, a different story. And at the end of our conversation, Rick goes, How does, how's it going? What do you think is happening right now? With the, he was talking about Azuna and the DH. And I said, he goes, I said, man, you get, yeah, he's so important to that lineup. He goes, oh, in the cl clubhouse. He goes, he's terrific in the clubhouse. He goes, phenomenal human being. So to have the pitching coach talk about him like that yeah. just tells you how much of an impact Azuna had on this team in his one year here. And a short season. We talked about that too. He he did that while with, with all the COVID protocols, where he couldn't even go out to dinner with the guys all the time and be around them for six eight months. Well, that's that's what most guys are saying. You know, they really missed last year was and and that it was way harder to build chemistry last year without those team dinners and hanging out on the road, hanging outside yeah. the room. So you needed a loud a, guy. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's almost like it's it's even more important to bring him back because whoever you bring in is not right. going to get those opportunities to to show his teammates who he is away from the field and have a yep. few drinks in him and, and be funny because yep. you know a lot of times that's when you connect with teammates is over a few beers on the plane when everybody kind of mm-hmm. relaxes and lets the game go and Drops you know their guard yeah lets their guard down finally. Yeah, yeah, man. If he uh, if you bring in somebody that's a little withdrawn and takes a while to really get to know people and all that, for instance, if you'd have brought in Nick Marcakis in last year in the in the, in the COVID year, that would have been tough because Nick, that you know, you got to get to know Nick. Oh, big you, time! Or, or Donaldson. I mean, it took Donaldson, right, right. I think, like a month and a half exactly. to really fit in and, and feel that like a part of the unit. That would have yeah. been terrible last year. Donaldson, it would have been not been a good time to bring in a guy like that. You know, no. And they ended up loving that guy. But Ozuna was the perfect guy to bring in. <laughs> they yeah. got lucky in that regard. So uh, he'll uh, – we talked about Ozuna, 18 homers, 56 rubies last year. Also led the league with 145 total bases, which never even gets mentioned, you know, because he had so much other stuff. Tied for second with 32 extra base hits. Hit 338. You know, came close to winning a triple crown. I mean, that's that's a hell of a year. when He just got overshadowed by Freddie for obvious reasons. To a degree, at least. But the two of them, I mean, 175 OPS plus. I've come around on the OPS plus, and I know that is huge. Oh, so that's a huge number. Yeah. Because 100 is average. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, won the Edgar Martinez Award. Who knows if we're ever going to have uh, – well, there'll be, so. NL, there'll be NL players win it now, but not in a league where <laughs> – not until it's universal. But His record's going to stand for a year at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Played left field only 19 games last year. Was a DH in 39 of the 60, including most of the games down the stretch, all of the games in the playoffs, which tells you something about what they thought about him. They thought that was by far their best lineup. And even after even after Duvall got hurt in game one of the NLCS, they never used Azuna out in the outfield. So having said that, I looked at the metrics. You know, I talked to Alex about it, and 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 they looked at the metrics, and the metrics say he's not nearly as bad as people remember because I think it's just normal, natural that we remember a couple of horrible plays. Those stand well, in your I, mind. I, I got a good example. Is what, how was Jose Canseco in right field? <laughs> You're right. You know, you're what I mean? right. <laughs> like, Perfect. You just example. assume he sucked out there because you saw a ball bounce off his head for a home run. I mean, yep. that's my only impression of his in, as an outfielder. Right, and so Ozuna had that play in St. Louis where he climbed yep. the fence and the ball landed on the grass, and not even on the track. Yeah, and and then you you throw out with that, you throw out the combination of someone saying he's below average. And those two things combined, you're like, oh, he sucks out there. And he had like two plays last year, one in right field. They had him two games in right field. They won't do that again because he totally misplayed that ball off the wall. Um, but he had, he had a couple of plays last year. I think one was a really bad throw. So. People, people, it naturally, your mind triggers the play in St. Louis and you go, God, he is garbage. What happened to yep. him? He won a gold glove. You don't look at all the other plays that he just makes, the routine plays, you know, that you forget those and you remember those. So it's just natural to, to think of that. So, but anyway, the, the analytics, the defensive metrics say he's not terrible out there. He's not good. He's not, you know, above average, but he's okay, serviceable. And if you look around the NL East this year, He's probably going to be average to slightly above for left fielders. There's going to be some pretty bad left fielders in the NLEs this year. Yeah, I feel like you can just kind of shade Pache that way if, if he's hitting and yeah. everything's going well and he's your everyday guy. I mean, just, you know, have him have him help him out a little bit. Unfortunately, left field is really big at uh, Truist yeah. Park, and you don't want to play him in right. So you're going to have to play him in left. But, yeah, you can shade Pache over – I mean – 
especially while he's this young. Yeah. <laughs> he could fly, man. No, so, for one year, just abuse him out there. Yeah, you know? he could fly. So, yeah. yeah, lop off about 15 yards that you'd normally have your guy <laughs> playing, you know, your left fielder, have him play yep. closer to the line. Yeah, have Pache. It's yours, cause Pache can do that because you you got Acuna in right, so you know and, you can. And right field's not it. big either, so you can it's take not. Acuna a little little closer to center. Exactly. So you know it can work. It can work. I don't think that that they're that he's going to ruin their outfield defense at all. I think it'll be okay. You know, and and this and this still could. I know it's so late and all that, but it it's not going to shock me at all if one day we hear they've agreed. The players have agreed to an expanded postseason in exchange for the DH. That's not going to shock me at all this year. I don't think so. It could still happen, man. Well, I don't don't think the DH, uh, the expanded postseason, I think that a lot of players would be really pissed at Tony Clark if they had expanded postseason. Right, without getting something else in return. Something big because, you know, I think the main main issue is the tanking and the rebuilding and and the, the lack of teams competing. And all of a sudden you tell them, it's even easier to get in. What's the incentive to spend more money well, here's or, my, or, or be more competitive? Here's my logic on that. So you do it a week before the season. All the moves have been made. Yeah. So a team can't be accused of tanking. The only thing you wouldn't be able to do is you could, yeah, you could trade guys during the year, but who's going to do that thinking? We can trade him and still sneak in. I don't know if the team's going to do that. The only place you'd see it is teams wouldn't make those moves at the deadline that they might normally make if they need to. But I think if teams are close and they can get an expanded playoffs, they're more inclined to make a move to give them a better chance to in win season. in that to make to win in that first round if if they if they think they can get in that last spot, they'll be they'll be inclined more inclined to make a move than to trade somebody thinking we can still get in. You know what I mean? If that makes sense? Yeah, I don't know because uh, you know they. It's gotta be late though. It's gotta be I right know, before the season starts. But even then, it's it's kind of like if if you if. You ever seen a toll bridge, you know, that they took the toll off of? <laughs> you know, they promise that sometimes, but they never take them off. Like the tolls, once you put them on. So it's kind of like that That right. logic is if you give right. them expanded playoffs, they're just going to assume they got it going into the next agreement. And I, I don't think the players, I think they know that's probably their biggest bargaining chip of the whole thing going into this next uh, labor agreement. I can see that. Yeah. but So if they give that up, they're not getting it back. Well, what if the players just say, this is, again, this is for this year because of COVID and all that. We're going to do it this year, and we get the DH. And then you, when you go into the collective bargaining, I'll, you know, you start from scratch, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, you're going to start from scratch, but I don't right. know. I just – I don't see them giving – especially yeah. not – maybe, you know, you're right. Maybe if once everybody's signed and teams spend some right. money thinking they got to try to get in. But right. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. That's the only way I could see it happening. It's got to be late. It'd have yeah. to be late. Because there's still a hundred free agents left to be signed, <laughs> so you know, if if teams think they can get in expanded playoffs, I watch this though. I watch this happening sometimes, and I always wonder if it's like a when you say there's a hundred free. I always wonder if it's like well, until they give us, we're not going to sign guys. You know, if, if there's stuff like a mindset behind the table of of, of ownerships uh-huh. just saying like this is our way of punishing them for not cooperating. We're just we're not going to sign these guys now. You know, unfortunately, I think that. I think that it got too easy. Remember the year a few years ago where they had the camp down in Florida for all the unsigned guys? Yeah. And it still worked. I think for owners, that was the worst thing that could happen. Or for players, it was the worst thing that could happen was how it still worked. And they see that, you know what? I think in their minds, everybody used to want to players. Most players wanted to know where they were going to be by Christmas, you know, wanted to know where they're going to be playing at spring training. But I think with the owners, they realized – 
what's for what's what's to be gained by us not just waiting until uh you know late february to get these guys signed we don't care they could you know the housing they make so much money anyway that's not even a big thing the housing they can get it at the last minute they're still going to play their asses off what's the difference i think well, everybody's on easy. that bandwagon it seems like you know they, I, most are i used to love watching scott boris just pull a rabbit out of the hat every february or march with somebody like prince fielder yeah. You know, he'd have this guy, he's trying to get 300 million and can't even get, you know, maybe you don't know what his deals are, but he's just, every year you'd think Scott Boris was going to mess up and then something would happen, an injury or some owner would just override a GM and all of a sudden, you know, Prince Fielder gets 260 million, something like that <laughs> happened. You know, like, yeah. how many years in a row right. did Scott pull that off? And then yep. mystery team, it, it, mystery team thing. And then the last like four or five years, it just seems like, you know, or when you had Keiko and Kimbrell throwing in June. Yep. Unsigned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's things, things have changed a lot, but I think that's another big fear of, of the players is, you know, just any, any bit of teams not feeling that pressure from their fan bases to compete and all of a sudden, right. You just don't get a deal. You take that one year deal like Ozuna had to take last year. I mean, here we are, you know, February 10th, Ozuna just signed and yep. Justin Turner still hasn't signed, who was a big piece of the World Series championship team, has played with the Dodgers a long time. He's a in the fabric of their team. He still hasn't signed. So things have changed, man. And yeah. I don't think teams feel the same pressure that they used to. They're also everybody's so connected now that every GM knows exactly what's going on. Everybody's yeah. a text away. And, and there's so many places reporting stuff online and so many national guys getting tips and everything that I don't think GMs feel that urgency. Like we better sign him or he might sign somewhere else. I think they, they all know, you know, I think the Braves knew that Azuna was going to give them. They always were always going to be able to swoop in if they wanted to. It's not going to be a, a danger of him signing elsewhere without them getting a chance. And I know the Dodgers feel the same way with Justin Turner. Yeah. I mean, whether it's collusion or not, you know, you can't tell me teams aren't using really similar formulas to value guys. Yeah. And they're not getting emotional. You know, they're, they're just yeah. completely sticking to what yeah. they have a guy, what the computer says they're worth. And if they get them, they get them. If they don't, they don't. No doubt. Uh, by the way, reasons that Ozuna, we've talked about the reasons he was a great deal. Um, his numbers, I know last year, you, you, he's not going to, he's not going to put up those numbers over 162. If he did, it would be like a, you know, <laughs> a Bonzian season, you know, it'd be crazy. Yeah. But the reason that I, the Braves can look at his numbers and every other team can look at his numbers and think there's no reason why to, to believe he's on the downside is he hit the ball harder last year than he's ever hit it. He hit the ball harder last year than he did during his 2017 season. And you can measure all that now because of all the technology, you know, and his line drive rate and his velo exit velo and all, was were all beautiful last year. Uh, and the Braves hit 10 home runs last year over 450 feet. He hit four of them. He had the longest average home run distance in the majors last year. And yeah. that's, and that's even not even including that ridiculously underestimated drive at Boston, which could have added like two feet to his distance right there. If they, <laughs> yeah, if they would have measured lost, it right. He lost out on an entire home run on that one. They said it was like 361 <laughs> is 520. They caught it like 420. It was probably like 470. Mm -hmm. So you got that's like that's like two feet right there on all its home runs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you think about it, <laughs> his longest that officially was his 469 footer off Garrett Cole. Yeah, that was the second longest of his career. So, yeah, in Atlanta. I, yeah, so I mean, this guy's hitting the ball so hard, and he keeps himself in good shape. He got in great shape during the shutdown last year, which showed me something. So, 
But that, yeah. that goes back to that free and easy, you know, as, as an athlete, you're, you're most powerful when your movements are just loose and fluid. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that that's where that kind of mental connection of them just telling him, go be yourself, do all your antics in the on deck circle, swing how you want, swing yeah. hard. Like they don't, Seitzer's a great coach, man. When Seitz took him aside in the first round of the playoffs in Cincinnati, against Cincinnati, uh, I think it was game one. And Seitz uh, sensed that he wasn't being himself, that he felt like it's mm-hmm. the playoffs now. I have to be more businesslike. Yeah. Seitz didn't see him doing the any of the body language, you know, any of the fun, the flamboyance that he has. And Seitz said, look, dude, do you do your thing, man. You be you. Between pitches, you'd have that body language. You do all that stuff. You don't have to tone it down because we're playing Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo in the uh, you know playoffs. You be you, man. You let it go. Let it hang. We're gonna fucking. We're gonna let it eat in the playoffs. Let it rip. And 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 that I thought that was a really good uh, message from the from uh, from the hitting coach right off the bat. Well, you know, just to go to keep that going too. You know, a lot of pitching coaches when they come out to the mound, everyone wants to know. Half the time, they just try to make you laugh. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they try to do something to distract right. you and get you out of your out of your head or get you out of this frustrated state you're in. And it, and it seems to work, you know, a pitching coach will come out and just point out some funny looking person in the third deck, you know, or <laughs> just some random thing. Right. And then they make you laugh and it's just kind of like a, a reset. Right. Uh-huh. And that's it's the same mindset of if you're all tense and you tell us, you know, just go be yourself. Screw it, man. It's, it's just baseball. And, and that's that's where you try to get to as a player at all times is just playing the game and not thinking about all the stuff going on. So, you know, providing an, intervi- an environment where he can do that is that it's awesome. The Braves do that. It's funny. Or you, or if you're Greg Maddox, you reverse the tables and you relax yeah. the coach when he comes well, out. <laughs> hey, that's when you just know you're just better than everybody. When when you're the one that's not panicking and you're just, you know, you're making the jokes is that those guys that can do that mid game are on another level. That Leo story was priceless. That was, great. That was when he said, come out in the sixth inning. <laughs> he came out, he goes, all right, I'm here. He goes, I just wanted to see you. I haven't come out in many games lately. <laughs> Man, you have to be, <laughs> I got, awesome. I got into like a, maybe a two month, uh, hot streak like that, where I could kind of have inside jokes with McCann during the game. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, you're just, you're on another level of, of, of just being just better than the people on the field at that point, you know, and Maddox probably was there his, his whole career where he could just joke around and baseball's so easy for him. You know, you're, you're trying to get there, but I just I watch guys that could do that, like a guy like Chipper that can just be in this different mindset, right. and the game's just happening in slow motion for uh-huh. him. Uh, it's it's cool. That's a that's a term used all the time that I think people outside of athletes, high level athletes, uh, don't really understand. Slow the game down. Yeah, and that's probably what separates you know you guys from us. Is as I understand it now, because I've talked to so many guys and they've explained it to me. But I don't think that we can comprehend it the way uh, you know. If it if you have it, you have it, and if you yeah. can slow the game down, that's everything, man. I mean, it's, it's it's everything. I remember my first my first year with Seattle in spring training. I got invited over the big league side, and our boy Rafael Soriano was about to go in, <laughs> and that phone rang, and he was he was so annoyed that it was his turn to pitch, right? <laughs> I mean, he just stood up real slow, drank some water, moseys his ways over to the mound, just kind of wow. chucks like five or six and waves his hand. The game was so easy for him at that point. It was an inconvenience, you know, <laughs> and I was sitting there just I was having a panic attack, just wondering <laughs> if I was going to pitch or not. So that's yeah. kind of the difference is, you know, once you've done it enough times, you know what to expect, you know what's going to happen. And then you understand that it's just up to you. And and those things happen as 
probably for Ozuna going from regular season to the playoffs, you know, it, it ups the ante to all of a sudden you you're feeling pressure that wasn't there during the season. And anytime you could take that pressure away and just be yourself, you know, that the game's not that much different. So the guys that, you know, the guys in AAA that can't succeed in the big leagues, the big leaguers aren't that much better at baseball. Right. right. They're, they're better at the mental side of it and they're better at controlling the controlling their head. Yeah. People see these uh, guys who, especially you don't see this much anymore, the way that baseball economics has changed you don't see the 30 year old guys in triple a anymore like you used to that be there Mm-mm. six years and set the set the uh minor league home run record teams don't hang on to those guys anymore like they used to but that's the difference between those guys every year they're down in the triple a hitting 300 with 30 home runs and they come up and people are like why can't he ever do it up can he just not hit a slider or whatever uh, that might be the case but i think no. it's more what you're talking about is the they real can't handle the pressure most yeah. of the time i mean there's some guys that just aren't quite good enough you know mm-hmm. but Majority of the time, it's it's mm-hmm. they they get tense, they get tight, they can't they can't they can't relax and just play the game. All of a sudden, they know the game's on TV. There's five times as many fans. You look up and see yourself on the jumbotron. I yeah. mean, I used to I used to have those moments when I was pitching, either jogging into the game or between hitters or or between innings or something. It happened a lot of times. I'd be standing on the mound though, and I'd start looking around, and it kind of you know I'd come to in a sense, like I, I gain consciousness all of a sudden. I'd be like shit, I'm pitching in a major league game right now, you know, and I'd have to jump onto the mound as fast as possible before, you know, before all that affected my, my state of mind I was in. But guys that, guys that get called up and can't relax in those situations or, or all those things change them. It, it really, I mean, it changes the way you move. It changes the way you play. It changes every little thing. And then all of a sudden you suck and you go back to AAA. I was like, I was, I always look for the guys when I look at the stats, you know, I always look for the guys and they're rare, but there are some that come up and they're actually better in the major leagues than they were in AAA yeah. for whatever reason, but they're better. Brian McCann, he was yep. better in the majors than he was in minor leagues, yep. you know, when he first came up. Jeff Francoeur, when he first came up, that ridiculous first season he had. He came up, was playing just so relaxed. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. The guy obviously was not feeling pressure like a normal person would. But people don't believe in clutch, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's a real thing, you know? I mean, it's a game on the line. You shoot a little different than you do in the gym at yep. 5 o'clock. It's just the same mindset. Uh, just the last thing about Azuna. The other reason I think uh, why the Braves can be really comfortable with this guy is this is not a guy that's all ripped and shredded and and, and that, that has spent the whole offseason lifting weights and getting massive and he's going no, to tear something. Bear. Yeah. He's it's just a who bear. he is. He's a bear. And you see him without a shirt on? He's just a big man. If you saw him, you go, that guy's put together, you know, but he's not ripped and shredded, you know. Uh, he's got the right muscles for what he does, if that makes sense. And he's not. he doesn't look like he's a muscle ready to pop, you know, like a hamstring or a or – a, uh, 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 a uh, side muscle, uh, you know, ready to uh, uh, ready to go at the uh, with a bad swing. He doesn't look like that at all, and he plays, and he and and I think his movements on the field show it too, because he's like he's that, loose. That swing he has, yeah, it's it loose, so man. loose. Yeah, yeah, you look at Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, he looks great on muscle and fitness, yeah. but he's he's always hurt. You know, there's something about just the demands of of a major league baseball season that I think you need a little fat on you. So when you see guys with that extra coat, yeah. I don't he's think a, it's a bad thing at all. It makes you feel good about him. He's a, a, a Stanton is an oblique ready to pop at all times, you know? Yeah. And Ozuna is not. And he's not. And you look at him, and Chipper Jones wasn't. You know, Chipper Jones nope. wasn't built like that, shredded, where you felt like every time he, he had a, an awkward swing, something was going to tear, you know? Not many of the shredded guys stay healthy. 
No, they don't. They don't. I mean, neither of the Yankees shredded guys stays healthy, you know? Yeah. I mean, if they yep. did, they'd be a colossus. You know, the, the two of them would combine for, you know, 100 home runs a year, but they don't because they never play 150 games. So. I mean, we always had, when when I was in Atlanta, we had Beachy and Schaefer both had 12 packs. <laughs> couldn't stay healthy. You know, <laughs> couldn't stay healthy. And Schaefer's was bone. You know, I think he had a bone injury, but even when he tried to pitch, right. he needed Tommy John. Yeah. I just, I think there's something to it and. There's no science behind it. It's just an old adage in baseball, but everybody kind of believes you need that layer of fat. Well, if you look at the guys that are the most shredded, they generally are not the absolute top line players who stay healthy. Now, there's obviously that that was different during the steroid era, but <laughs> yeah. now, knock on wood, uh, you know, you 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 think most of the guys are relatively clean, and the guys that are shredded and are not getting help doing it. I'd say, man, they don't. I mean, it's man, also you look at an Arietta. Arietta yeah. couldn't stay healthy more than a year, you right. know. And but it's shredded. also for me, it's it's a it's. Did you did you manipulate your way there? Like, did you right. did you work your way there, or is that just who you're born as? Like the guys right. that you play with, guys. Some sure. guys. I mean, you, you yep. have teammates that walk in eating three quarter pounders at noon. Jason Hayward. Yeah, Coco Crisp used to walk in. I mean, he'd just have two cheeseburgers and a V eight. Yeah, and dude was like four percent body fat. Same with Jay Hay. They had to, I remember they told oh Jay Hay to they told Jay Hay to put some weight on one year, and he tried to get fat, and he put on thirty pounds of muscle and didn't gain any fat. I mean, he had that V back. It was like, yeah. I mean, Andre Dawson had that. Andre worked his ass off lifting, but still, they had that body they were blessed with. But Jay Hay, yeah, he's a. But Jay Hay could easily be built like Stanton if you felt like it. Yeah, he could. He he, he could be two sixty with no fat on him. No but doubt. It, it's it's almost that's what I'm talking about when you kind of like change your body to be something you're not, I think you you risk a lot more injury too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Braves ended up circling back to Ozuna. I don't know if circling back is right. He was always there up like below the surface, but they looked at some other guys along the way. They looked at just about everybody that was available. You know, that's why you see them connected with everybody because they do look at everybody and why wouldn't you? They knew that Ozuna was there all along to see what they could do in the, in the interim. But they looked at guys like Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario, George Springer, you know, the Springer contract was just way too big. They weren't going to get involved in that. And I can't blame them. I mean, what's Springer at, get? He got six years, 150 million. Oof. And they gave yeah. Ozuna five years, 80 million if they keep him the whole time. So basically, half price. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, Springer could have had a pretty similar effect. I mean, he, he's a monster. He could yeah. have had. And he's a good defensive player, too. Yeah, he could have offered a lot, but for double, you know. No. And he wouldn't have offered the same thing that, that Ozuna does to this team. No, the culture that no. he brings and all that, you know, obviously, especially not the first year, you know, and, and you don't know how long this window is going to, I mean, you, you feel like this window is going to last a while, but yeah, you, you can't, yeah. I don't feel like anybody could roll into this team and offer what Azuna offers. Cause he built that last year. And I think that long-term contract, Alex said he didn't want Ozuna on a one or two year deal. He wanted him a long-term deal, which is everybody thought, you know, Alex doesn't do that. Well, he wanted yeah. it because he made sense for this team. And I think a huge part of that is Acuna and Albies. You know, yeah, for sure. He wants that. He wants this guy there. He knows the influence he can have on these guys. And and Alex told him, "There's a there's a responsibility that goes with this contract. Having a, you're one of our core guys now, long term." And he, you know, sounded like uh, Ozuna said all the right things. He embraced that, you know, that role. You don't hear GM say that too much either. I guess he didn't say that till after the fact. Right after the fact, yeah. <laughs> 
He said, he told, he said, I've told Marcel this. He reminds me of Edwin Encarnacion, who I had in Toronto, just his demeanor, his presence, the person. He said, Edwin was one of my favorite players as a human being, and Marcel's right there. Getting to know him, he's one of my favorite players that I've been around in 10 years of being a GM. So to have him from age 30 to 33 and have the option for age 34, I think those are great years for him. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you know if you hope the DH is coming, it, it could hurt if if the D. I think it's you know, you're assuming it's coming, but they if it didn't, coming. that it could that hurt. could hurt. Yeah, having him hurt. in the outfield <laughs> two years from now. Yeah, but they know it's coming. I yeah. mean, it's, how could it not? You know, they're going to be a collective bargaining agreement. Uh, so how would that not be in it? You know, when everybody wants it. Yeah, it's not at that point. You're not using it for leverage. You know, you're using it for leverage now. If you're the owners, because you want to get expanded playoffs or whatever. But in collective bargaining, that doesn't work. You know? Yeah. No, it's happening. But if it didn't, it'd be ugly. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't have signed this if they didn't know no, it was coming. They know it is. Um, And let's see. what the, the one other thing Alex said, I'm looking at these quotes I had from Alex about Marcel. He said, I'll say this about Marcel because Marcel said something about uh, uh, He had the funny thing during the Zoom where he said, if I was so easy, uh, Alex, why didn't you sign me after the season? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and Alex kind of, Alex said, you know, he kind of t- spoke in generalities on why not. He said there was uncertainty with our payroll. There was uncertainty in MOB. I think basically what he was saying was uh, they were waiting to see if there's going to be a DH. The market for Ozuna was going to change radically if there was a DH. Probably the Bay- the Braves really didn't know what their pay was going to be. Payroll was going to be. They like a lot of teams were waiting to see if the season was going to start on time. If there's going to be fans in the stands. When there might be fans, and they had to base their payroll around that. At least generally, you know, you can't go into it assuming that there's going to be a sold out stadium from day one. Cause if there was, you could have, you could have, you wouldn't necessarily have to b- draw back your payroll, but since there's not going to be, and since you lost, you know, they had over a hundred million dollars in revenue dip last year. So they're going to, they're not just going to act like it didn't happen. I yeah. see their payroll. They haven't said what it's going to be. They've just said it's going to be lower. It was going to be 152 opening day last year. I could see it being at 140 or so this year. And if that's the case, They've got, and Alex always likes to sock aside about five to ten million for moves during the year, you know, which is smart. Yeah. So I could see them having less than ten million left if that's the case for moves this before opening day, which would maybe give you uh, a Shane Green type guy or a Melanson if he'd take a one year deal with a with a big pay cut, you know, uh, or you know maybe maybe a Green and and a, and a reliever, you know, I mean or, or a, a bench guy like a two million dollar yeah. bench player, something like that. I could see him making, but I don't see him. Without it being a big trade, I don't see them making a huge move between now and and, uh, and opening day. Otherwise, I don't either. And I don't think they need to. You know, I know fans want them to. They want them to trade for Jose Ramirez. That's not going to happen. You know, I don't think you know Cleveland's going to trade Jose Ramirez for one thing because they can't tell their fans. You know, we traded Lindor, but this is the different circumstances. Ramirez is signed for three more years at a at a club friendly contract, the kind of that Acuna has. You know, even more so. You know? Yeah, well, fans are buying a lot of the, about a lot these days. You know, with the we're being smart. You know, GMs. Yeah. There's a lot of GM fans of GMs now. You can't trade Jose Ramirez, so I don't think they're trading him. And if they did, you certainly can't trade him without getting a huge bounty after not getting as much as fans wanted you to get for Lindor, who's only one year con- contractual control left, and Clevenger. Same thing. This guy's got three years of control left. Thirty-three million dollars. You know, come on. Yeah. That's ridiculous. He's an MVP caliber yeah. guy. 
he should make that, you know, in one year and free, once he's a free agent. Yeah, you're getting three years of him for seven less than Bauer. For Bauer in one year. Yeah, in one year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy. 33 or 35. I think it's 33. But anyway, they're not going to trade him. So, But my point is I don't see the Braves making a huge move like that or Chris Bryant. They're not going to give up on – because if you made a move for trade for Chris Bryant, for instance, which the Braves aren't going to do, yeah, uh, they're 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 just not going to do that. But you'd be giving up on on uh, Austin right. Riley because yeah. there's nowhere to play him now in the outfield because you've got your left fielder. Well, so, I, have, I think he'd be in the deal anyway. Yeah, and you're not going to give him up for one year, Bryant. You know, no, that's stupid. So there's no there's no reason to give up on Austin Riley yet. I know no. fans get frustrated; they want the instant instant performers, but you got to remember how young this guy is, you know? And we remember some of the games he had last year. This guy's got light tower power to quote Chipper, and it's legit. So, I mean, he was Babe Ruth when he first came up. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see, you know. This will be an important year for him. Yeah. But, you know, they've stuck with Dansby this long for great glove and, you know, decent numbers offensively. At the end of the year, Dansby's numbers last year, he's had some great starts. But he had, Dansby had a hell of a year last year. I thought that was a really big step forward for him, so – um, they might yeah, have waited thinking, too long to sign him long term. I, I, I was just going to say that. You know, you know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to take way under value either. You know what I mean? No, and he's he's marketable. Yeah, I mean, I think he'd be comfortable. He loves Atlanta. Obviously, he's got a lot of ties here. He's got his little business with clothing line in Atlanta and all that. But he could keep all that going and still go elsewhere. I I could see him. You know, he he'd fit in just about anywhere. And, and, and you can't tell me that clothing line's making you. No, five exactly. ten. <laughs> I think know. it's a hobby more than anything. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not making enough for you. To, I mean, you will close your clothing line. And out his for, girlfriend's all over the place. You know, she plays soccer in D.C. Yeah. Know, she, so getting together is not a problem for them. You know, with flying and all that stuff. Anyway, I'm just theorizing here. They better if they want Dansby a long term extension. They got to do you it now. Go now. Yeah. Now before another year's up. So, and I think we're going to see the Freddie extension during uh, spring training or before. I think we're going to see it before opening day. And if they didn't do it before opening day, it will be agreed to before opening day, and they'd only they would only delay it so that they could announce it like during the first homestand. <coughs> That's just my my belief. <clears throat> I could see that happening. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy how much of a foregone conclusion it is too with a player as good as him. That, that says a lot about him more than anything. Right, right, and about how much they value because the stuff they've been saying, you know, the way Alex says, you know, he's not even guarded whatsoever. Like so, he's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I That's think it's cool, gonna be though. fair on both sides, you know. Yeah. It's not gonna be over the top, but it's also not gonna be uh a way club friendly either. It's not gonna be an a, you know, he's done that, he paid his dues, he's underpaid right now, he has been for a couple of years, way underpaid. Uh and they're gonna do him right. I think they're gonna do him right. And they've and these other moves they've made have been with that in mind as well. You couldn't bring in a guy who's owed 35 million a year, you know, with Arenado, who they looked at, Arenado. They wanted them to eat a lot more than 50 million of the 200 million he was owed, the, the Rockies. God dang. It's crazy. You have to pay Arenado to go I, away. They, they, that was, that was to me, was the worst move of the offseason, was what Rockies did. That was horrible. They paid just, 50 million. Does that happen in other sports? No, no. Under they, any circumstance. <laughs> they paid 50 million for him to go away, and he didn't even give up the opt out and got another opt out added to it, right? Yeah. He got a second. Yeah. He, that's insane. So, and, you know, and, and, you know, and I haven't read anything otherwise to say, to dispute this, but 
he could opt out theoretically after a year. And the Cardinals, because a lot of people uh, uh, dis, uh, came down on the Cardinals for giving him another opt-out year. Well, look at they wouldn't the have Cardinals to pay him a dollar, right? They just get him free if he opts out. <laughs> Not only do they get him free, they make fifteen million because they get paid fifty million. <laughs> yeah, <man>. <laughs> How <laughs> they crazy for, is that? Yeah. One of the best five players in the game, definitely one of the best ten <laughs> yeah. players in the game, paid thirty-five million a year. To babysit, um, they get paid to babysit him for a and year, and they got fifty million from the Rockies, which they're going to get even if he opts out, which he's not going to do because that he's owed two hundred million dollars. He's not opting out. Baseball economy is not going to change that much, unless he just hated it there or something. Or right, right. Get 50 and who's, this year, and who's ever hated it in St. Louis playing there? Maybe Ozuna. <laughs> unless you hated the city, you know, which yeah. some some guys might not like. It's a it's a pretty boring city, re- relatively speaking, but yeah. it's a great baseball town, and the fans. No, are everybody incredible. loves playing there. Right, right. So. It's kind of like Atlanta. Everybody loves playing here too, man. Yeah. And it's a lot, <laughs> you know, it's a lot more to do in Atlanta. That, but, Atlanta's um, fun. So, uh, and, he, and just the last thing that Alex said about Ozuna when he asked that question, he goes, I'll, I'll say this about Marcel. He's about winning. St. Louis was the first time he'd made the playoffs, and I remember that he came up to – I came up at one point last year like, hey, I've only made the playoffs once, and being in the postseason is the most important thing to me. And Snit talked to him. Alex said this. Snit talked to him and said, "Hey, we're going to put Adam Duvall in left field. This is when they went with Ozuna as a DH going forward, and we're going to put Adam Duvall as Gold Glove caliber guy. We're going to put him in left field for defense. We're going to move guys around DH, whatever it was." Marcel's answer was always, "Whatever helps the team win." So even though Ozuna still sees himself as a deep, as an outfielder, he wants to play it. He still did not complain at all, and then DH the rest of the year. So. Uh, and and Alex said a lot of players will just say it, and not mean it. But Marcel yeah. meant it the whole way. He wasn't worried about free agency or money. He was, hey, if this makes the team better, I'm going to do it. And when you see that, everyone falls in love with him. He's a great teammate. The coaches love him. The manager loves him. Anything that the team needs, he's going to do. And if he needs to work more, he's going to do it. So we're excited about him, and we think he can be very solid and left. So yeah, that's. I mean, that's the same thing with Freddie. That's why they love Freddie too. Right. You know, they right. just want to win. Freddie went and played third base for a little bit, <laughs> and that was his idea. To yeah. Keep, to keep Big City in the lineup. Hey, yeah. I'll go to third. I played it in high school. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he wasn't bad over there either. It just looked weird. <laughs> yeah, it just looked like they flipped the infield around. Six foot four, six foot five, Freddie over left over the third base. Look, he is a cannon though. Yeah. Kind of Scott Rowland over there, maybe if he'd have stayed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rowland's 6'5", but Rowland can make those diving stops. Well, Freddie can't too, though, but yeah. not a Rowland-type athlete. Um, Freddie will hear this podcast and get on me for that. Yeah, I'm sure he listens. What, what are you saying I'm not a Rowland-type athlete for? Uh, so here we go. We got uh, the thing I, the other thing I wanted to talk about was – oh, and by the way, they get they have – Braves had – they were the only team with four Silver Slugger Award winners last year in the majors. Damn. That was the top four guys in the lineup. They're all back. Yeah, that's crazy. Acuna, Freddie, Ozuna, and Travis Darno. And how about that Oof. Travis Darno contract? How good yeah. is that thing looking right now? When you didn't have to go out and get a catcher this this winter, when you could just worry about a backup catcher. Who's a backup catcher? catcher? I think they're if they. You know how you can always pick up one of those guys in spring training that another team cuts <laughs> loose. Yeah. He's not going to make the Gerald forty Laird. man. Yeah, you can always get a guy then. But I think if they don't. I think they're perfectly happy going with Contreras as a backup, and I don't blame him. He looked fine to me when he was up yeah. last year. You know, you can yeah, balance think, Jackson you know, too, but Contreras is a much better off hitter. I think, especially when you're you're planning on using Darno as your everyday guy, 
You're not yeah. thinking about that platoon, or it's not or... going to be a straight platoon. It's going to be like 120 to 130 games, I think. You know, yeah. So I, it's a good chance to see uh, Contreras play, you know, 40, 50 games and decide yeah. whether he's your guy going forward too. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to get anything else out of going to AAA another year, and I think he's ready to do that backup job. Yeah, and then you you could sign like a, you know, you could sign like a Clint Sammons or Gerald Laird type of dude and have him right on standby if things get ugly. Yeah, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the lineup as far as if there's not a DH, because I don't think Freddie obviously is going to hit second if there's no DH, because it doesn't make a lot of sense, as he said, if there's no DH hitting, you know, if there's a pitcher hitting ninth, then I right. can have Freddie hitting second. He's not. I know Trout does it, but that's different, you know. <laughs> it's the Angels. Yeah, well, you put him, yeah. And yeah, they have they have they have a DH out there. So that's uh, Freddie. Freddie, if they have a DH, he'll bat second, but otherwise he'll be back in the third spot, which is you know, where he'll stay for the year until next year's DH. But my the only question is who bats second? Do you got Acuna? They ain't moving him off leadoff. They're not trying that. He's he's leadoff. You know, if he's healthy, Ozzy is a nice number two hitter. I like Ozzy. I, I like Ozzy. I like the switch hitter aspect of it. I do too. If he's healthy, I like him there, even though he's not nearly as good for one side. I still like him there. Uh I like Dansby. all that speed too. And all that speed okay. in front of Freddie. Dansby's good. Okay. Two hole. The, thing about Dansby is he hits so well at the bottom of the order, unlike a yeah. lot of guys that, you know, Ozzy makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that speed, those two speed guys in front of Freddie, it's nice. Dansby Freddy. has, you know, he's got a lot of discipline down there in the bottom of the order. Sometimes it's really just does. good. It's a good fit for guys, you know, to when after after you grind through Ozuna, Freddie, Darno, and you need to have almost a gimme at bat, and then you face somebody like Dansby who makes you work. I mean, it's a good fit for him down there. Yeah. Yeah. Two's good, too, for him, too, either way. But I, I like him down late in the order and, and putting Aussie uh, speed up front. Well, hopefully we don't have to uh, – hopefully they don't have to worry about that and they add the DH. But, yeah, it's 50-50 at best, and you think less than that. So, But if you if you do have the DH, man, nice to be able to pencil in that first four, huh? Yeah, they're all oh, Silver yeah. Slugger Award winners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have them all top five anyway, either way. But, yeah. Right, right. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. You know, uh, for all the for all the bashing that Alex took over those two months, not doing anything between s- signing the two starters, you know, and, and people wanted him to do something, and he didn't. You end up getting Azuna. You got to give the Braves credit; they could have taken a big step back this year because they did. They lost a lot of money last year. Uh, you can call it losses, or you can call it lost revenues. You could say they still broke even yeah. or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, you know. <laughs> if you make $200,000 and then one year, the next year you make $25,000, you don't, you don't want somebody telling you, well, you still broke even. You made $25,000. You know, you didn't lose money. Right. That's, yeah. <laughs> they lost money. <laughs> so, well, I think though, they just recognize this, this window they're in, you know, this, this team is ready. Yes. And you, you, you're a yes. game away from the world series last year. You know, you've, it's a tough sell not to not to make moves, and even if you did lose money, you know to to not bring these guys back. So right. I give them credit, but I don't think they had a choice. I mean, now's the time for them. It made business sense to not. Yeah, to, yeah. It's not like you're doing it for the fans. You know, like ah, no. we're throwing them a bone. You're doing it because it makes no. good business sense. But they were smart yeah. enough to realize that they could have looked at if they're looking at strictly bottom line, they could have looked at they could have said they lost 150 million dollars in projected revenues last year, and. We wouldn't know. We wouldn't know exactly. You know, if, if that sounds pretty close. Probably it's 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 uh it's believable, and they could have said as a as a result, 
we're going to have a hundred million dollar payroll this year. We're going to be, you know, 20th out of the 30 teams. Yeah. But they didn't do that. So I'll give them credit for that, you know, and after taking two Oh and three, one NLCS leads against the best team in baseball last year, Braves could have easily won that thing. And if they'd have got no, the world man. series, you could be talking about world series champions right now, man. And it, easily. Which I feel like as an organization, if you were going to win last year or this year, you'd rather win this year so you can capitalize on that revenue next year. Right, right. You know, it could really work out because the Nationals were not able to capitalize whatsoever. Does anybody even remember they won the World Series a couple years ago? What a year to win it. They couldn't even celebrate. They couldn't even raise their flag, you know, for their fans. Now they can't do all that two years later. But and they couldn't capitalize with season ticket sales because who's buying season tickets to Nationals games now, even if they're for sale, with the World Series that they want in mind? Nobody. So they couldn't even get no. the spike. There's always a spike the next year. You mm-hmm. win a World Series. Braves got the All Star game here this year. Then if they were to go, yeah, you want to try to win a World Series this year because there's a good chance things are going to be back to normal in 2022 as far yep. as attendance and all that. You could really pack that place and have a huge spike in revenue. So, uh, <coughs> I was I was getting confused when I was watching the Super Bowl. I didn't know they were cardboard cutouts. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> they made it awesome. What are they doing? But yeah, it'd be nice good. to it'd be nice to see baseball at least be able to have you know at least what they did for the playoffs last year, where they had you know whatever right. was it twenty five percent capacity or something like that. And some places are going to have that for sure. They've already had they're already selling tickets. That's Other cool. places, yeah, it's different. Different places, Florida teams, Texas teams are going to have it. Um, but yeah, to uh, so this would not have been a good year to take a step back. Thirty million dollars, no, uh, would not have made business sense to save thirty million dollars now with what that could cost you in the long range. This is a good investment, so I'm not going to say they were doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. But to their credit, they didn't look at just the bottom of the line immediate. They were smart enough to do this, and and uh, and, uh, and 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 fortunate enough that. The guys we've been talking about, none of them are having huge salary increases next year, and they didn't have to go out and fill a big hole with a with an expensive free agent. Azuna took a really a nice deal for them, so they they were able to come back with with the same team basically, but better. I mean, they are a better team with Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley too, but really with Charlie Morton added to that yeah. and the three guys that got experience, those rookies last year in the rotation. You got to feel so much better about the rotation this year going in than you did last year, and it's going to take seven or eight starters at least this year. With all those guys coming back from thirty to sixty inning seasons, yeah. you're going to need seven or eight starters this year, and they've got it. And they're not guys that we're looking at last year. We were looking at six and seven, big question marks. Not this year. Well, it's <laughs> it's tough too because. You might not get to find out what if Bryce Wilson learned what it seemed like he learned last year. You know, right? It, it's it that's that's the downside of signing these guys. But there's no fear with this rotation, and the end you're going to get Soroka back. And you saw it last year with Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson spending most of the time at the yeah. alternate site pitching yeah. in dead games with nobody there. You know, to to their teammates. Yeah, and you saw them come up ready to go. So you got to think they can do the same thing this year, especially when they know they're going to be up and they can tell them at spring training, you guys are going to make at least five starts, each of you. It could be 10 starts. And if there's an injury, you could be plugged into the rotation. Yeah. It's such a tough spot to be in as yeah. a as a player like Kyle Wright or, or Wilson. They feel like they're ready to take that big step forward. Right. But you got Ian Anderson, Morton Freed, Smiley ahead of you, and then Soroka comes back. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. I, I feel for the player, but as an organization, it's a great spot to be in where you've got two guys you can try anytime you get in trouble. And it's it's not like when they call, you know, Tukey struggled a lot when, when they right. called him up the last few years right. and, and you didn't know what you were going to get. I think you can call these guys up confidently to fill in at any point. Absolutely. When when Bryce Wilson did it, stepping into the stage in NLCS without pitching yeah. for two weeks, first playoff game, and does that against yeah. Clayton Kershaw? You have no doubts that when you bring him up, he's going to be ready. And he brought him up also for that uh, division clinching game on short notice when Hamels yep. got hurt. You tell him the night before you're starting tomorrow, he pitched his ass off. So you got no fear at all with him, and he's your sixth or seventh starter. Yeah, Kyle Wright had a nice run at the end. It wasn't one or two starts. He looked really good. And then he had a couple of really good playoff starts before he got blown up. But you've got to feel confident with him that he learned a lot in pitching those games. Um, and I, Kranitz had a great point. Is You love when these guys are going to be hungry. They want to be in that yeah. rotation. They feel like yeah. they belong there. The Dodgers are in the exact same uh, uh, place. Look at guys they've got. They're six and seven. Gonsolin, guys like that. Yeah, they've done even more in the major leagues, and they don't have a spot in the rotation. So it's a good spot to be in, not for the pit, pitcher. Pitch. No, yeah, exactly. It's a great spot for the organization to have those guys on tap. But it, I, I feel for them knowing how much talent's ahead of them. The good thing is it's not a normal season where right. you might be trying to go with five or six guys all year, maybe plug in a sixth or seventh guy for two or three starts. This is not going to be a normal year. So there's a good chance that those guys will make five to ten starts, and then you're losing those two guys you signed to one-year deals. And those yeah. so those rotation spots are going to be out there for the taking. If you show if you show yourself this year, they won't have to go out and get anybody in the offseason. Yeah, I'd say if, if they both pitch like they did at the end of the season, you know, last year, then yeah. going into next season, I think they'd be thinking, you know, we're going to finally give these guys a shot, but they're going to have to earn it, and you got to prove yeah. it. Because then you'll have it, the threesome of, you know, barring injury or trade, you're going to have the threesome of Soroka, Freed, and Ian Anderson in your first yep. one through three. It should be phenomenal a year from now. But if you are the Braves, I don't know if you saw enough last year to not do what they did. You know, signing signing the two guys they signed. Oh, I think it was smart. Oh, I think yeah, it was really you, smart. you have to do it. So you know, you I guess your goal is as Wright or uh, Wilson this year is to prove it. You know, is to yeah. leave no doubt in their mind and, and whatever opportunities you get. Like, like I said, it's a tough spot, but but they'll have their chance to prove it. After you, after you saw that litany of things happen last year, yeah, doubts, injuries, <laughs> yeah. one after another, yeah, a guy gets, turns his ankle. Fielding a bunt, freed a guy blows his Achilles out. Who's a healthy youngest guy in the rotation? You know, I mean, yep. you got to go, especially this year of all years when six, you know, seven deep minimum. Minimum. The good teams are going to have to be seven or eight deep, probably. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's just not going to be anybody that's going to go with the same five all year. You can't jack everybody up from fifty innings to two to one hundred eighty innings and expect everybody to be healthy. That's true. That, that's a it's really good point. That. You know, the guys just didn't – they didn't have a chance to throw the innings they needed to last year. Yeah, and I think they're going to work them in. I think talking to Kranitz, they're going to they're going to try – they're going to talk to guys all the time, find out where they are, and they're not going to hesitate to work a guy in if they need to give a guy a couple – they like rest. And if they need to give one of their key guys a couple of days rest, not skipping a turn or whatever, but just plug in another guy, you know, then they'll do that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, you, and, and basically use, you know, six or seven guys. <laughs> yeah, because I could see you could see Anderson needing a breather. You could see yeah, Freed needing a breather for sure. For hundred percent, Soroka coming off injury after pitching yeah. three starts last year. I could definitely yeah. see them babying him. Smiley's had some injury issues. Charlie's pretty damn solid. Smiley I think Charlie's under great thirty signing. And, and, and Charlie's thirty six though. You know, I yeah, think Charlie's yeah, he is. Sign. Smiley pitched under thirty innings last year. Yeah, he was healthy for like three or four weeks. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I mean, it's it's almost ridiculous for us to sit here and act like he's just going to be yeah you know, part of the part of the squad. You know, you, there's a lot of there's there's some question marks with him too. Uh, and, and you know, the guy we never talk about, the guy that uh, uh, Noah. Real, uh, yes. Yeah. Remember a couple of games that that guy had where he was a yeah. beast. Yeah. Huascari Noah, when you can look at him as your eighth starter, you're in, you're yeah. in good shape. You're in good shape. These are young guys, not old guys. You're worried about being hurt. You know. And then you got Tucker Davidson, and we've we've seen his stuff, and uh, you know, with the drive line in the off season. I mean, this guy throws a hundred. Him and, and Mueller, when those are your yep. nine and ten guys, <laughs> you're you're all right. I mean, if worst case scenario, you got Mueller as your fifth guy after four guys get hurt, or you know, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, is it is Tom, Tomlin's back right too? Tomlin's no? back for the bullpen. Yeah, he's minor, minor league deal, right? But, it, but yeah, he's gonna be. Uh, no, I think he signed a major league deal. Bullpen. Oh, okay. Yeah, bullpen. They, they told okay. him that he's for the bullpen this year, though. They're not going to do not that. not making a start. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I like the signing for bullpen only. I like it. Because he yeah. was pitching well last year until they moved into the rotation. Well, he's he's impo- he's real important to, for these young starters, too, you know, to, no to be able to – well, just to if they do fall on their face a few yeah. times. I mean, it's just a cushion where he could pick up the slack. You know, having him and Noah down there – Go two, three, They're in good four shape. Innings. And there's there's extra roster spots too, right? Not now, but they no, could easily twenty five. They could easily create one. Oh, oh, okay. you mean during the season. During 26. the season, I thought it was twenty eight. Twenty six. Twenty six. That's the plan. And then they go to twenty eight on September first. Yeah. Got you. So um yeah, I pitching wise though, man, they're in great shape. They're they're in great shape with what they've got right now. I mean, you could say, yeah, they got trade pieces, but you do that, and then you're going to have what happened last year, and you're going to be going, oh, we should have traded that guy. <laughs> I can see after you, the trauma from last year, you are going to be scared to death to trade anybody you think might help you this year if you have some injuries. You know, Yeah, especially trying to make it all the way to the end. You know, you, you're yep. planning on pitching. You're planning on the World Series this year. Yep. You got to go You got to go seven or eight months instead of two, three months like you did last year. Yeah. And it was hard last year. The two or three was hard last year. Plenty that's happened. Biggest understatement of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to remember at one point last year, Freed was the only guy from the projected six who was still pitching. And then he turned his ankle. It was like, you got a rotation. None of these guys was in the projected rotation entering the year when you had six guys fight for five spots. <laughs> yeah, that's the other reason you had to bring those Una back because they just kept scoring like nine runs a game and and, yeah. and still winning. <laughs> and they didn't want to do that this year. They know they can't do that this year. And you're not going to yeah. have the bullpen you had last year. You had no. such a deep bullpen with those extra roster spots. Like Kranitz said, I asked him, I said, did you ever feel like, you know, when you were piecing this thing together and then free and then uh and then Soroka gets hurt, did you just throw your hands in the air and go, geez, what next? He goes, you know what? I still felt like we could do it just because with those extra roster spots, our bullpen was so deep. Yeah. He said, I still felt like we could go. We're 10 deep in the bullpen that we could get through this thing, you know, and, and that you don't have that luxury when you got a 26 man roster. No. That's how they could get through it last year. You only needed to get two or three innings out of some starters some nights. You could pull them after out of out, and 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 uh, Snit did pull a guy in the second inning. You know, pull right in Tampa after he's you know cruising. Then all of a sudden he can't get anybody out. Pull him because they had the yeah. bullpen to do it. In the first game of a series, they could do it. So there's a lot of changes though, right? I mean, there's like there's they're sticking with the seven inning doubleheaders too. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's go. Let's go. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, uh, the changes that we had. Uh, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, uh, another thing that I like what Alex did, what he was willing to do this off season was 
the Braves had they you know it, it became de rigueur to have two hitting coaches. Remember, pretty much everybody has it now. But when the Braves did it, there were only a, maybe a handful of teams did when they when they hired yeah. a second hitting coach eight years ago, whatever. <clears throat> and then they went to a third this offseason when they had when they promoted Bobby Mags Magalinas from Triple uh, A. The guy, all the young guys come up from Triple A raving about this guy. They love him. Older guy that's been around, but really works well with the young guys. And uh, they and he's the one that got Riley Swain where it was when he was raking when he came up uh, as a rookie, working Bobby Mags. So they promote him. He worked with them last year when things got shut down in the minors. He ended up being basically a third hitting coach too because he was a coordinator. So they promote him to be a third hitting coach, a second assistant. So they got three hitting coaches. Only I think only like three or four teams have three hitting coaches. Some of them have it as a video guy, different spots, you know. But uh, so they go from that having three hitting coaches to buy, I'll give Alex some credit to being flexible and not being you know not worried about having his authority usurped and 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 snit too, not worrying about being big footed and having a, a legend around when Chipper calls. Boog leaves the ESPN broadcast booth, goes to Cubs. Chipper's left without Boog as a partner. Chipper was already thinking about not going back because he didn't like the virtual broadcasting last year. It's not what he signed up for, you know, being at home, doing games. Yeah, so he wanted to get out of the house. Right, right. You know, when Boog left to go to the Cubs, Chipper said, you know what, I don't think I'm going to do it. He calls the Braves. He said there was always the understanding that his other job, he'd have that special assistant job, would be back if he wanted anytime he wanted to go back to it. But he thought he was ready for a little bit more. He's ready to get more involved, hands-on and all that. So he calls Alex and tells him. Alex doesn't hesitate, man. Creates a spot for him, as they call it. The reason it's called a uh, hitting consultant is because you're technically you're not allowed to have but so many coaches, and they're already at their limit. Yeah. But you can have a part-time guy in uniform in, on the field working with the hitters. All he just can't be in the dugout during games. So that's what Chipper's role is. So now they've got four hitting coaches. You can call three and a half, but I would argue that fourth one, the half one, he might have yeah. as much of an impact or That's more. Like six. Yeah. <laughs> I I just I'm excited for these guys to have like Riley and like switch hitting uh Ozzy. These are guys who he's worked with. Dansby, who's he's worked with and had immediate results with in the past. I'm excited for them to have him there every day at, at home and maybe some road trips, but at home he's going to be there. They can go to him immediately, say, what am I doing here? That could be huge for them. Oh, man. I mean, you can't have a better resource than Chipper Jones. No. no. He's he's by far the the like he's the best baseball mind I've ever been around. I would, I would agree with if, that. If any time, you know, he was pretty quiet in the clubhouse, but any time I caught him – talking baseball or especially mechanics or hitting or anything like that. It was just so interesting to me and, and the the way he can get it out and the way he can yeah. the pictures he can he can draw with his words, you know, he's he's a great communicator, but I would just stop whatever I was doing if I was mid-workout, if I was on my way outside to throw, if I had if I had the ability to just kind of lurk and just listen to what he was saying, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it, it might make me it might make a hitter easier for me to get out that night, the stuff that was coming out of his mouth. So, uh-huh. I mean, that's a no-brainer to hire him. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm with you. I've told people before, he is the best baseball mind that I've ever been around. And he ever. talks both sides. of the, He's not just hitting. He talks about pitching, fielding. This guy knows the game in and out. That's why I've always said, I know a lot of great players don't make great managers. Some do, but not many. He'd be a great manager if he wanted to do it, but he'll yeah. never want that time commitment. He didn't even want the full-time time commitment. Now, the 12-hour days. 
But I think this is a great spot for him to be able to still get home, watch the games on TV, be with his kids, and help these guys by being there in uniform, in batting practice, in the hitters' meetings. This could be huge for them, man. Even if they go on a trip and there's something struggling or whatever, when they get home, they know Chipper's going to be there working with them from day one. Well, he's going to watch every single right. at bat. And they'll fly <laughs> him not, in. And they'll fly him in like, on the road if they need to, too. He's, it's going to be one of those things because you just you have to have a passion for the game to be able to care and, and, and break it. The, the passion he has for it is so high, but yeah. he's going to have the answer when they call. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. He's already going to have seen it. He's already going to be watching. He'll just be waiting for them to ask him, and he'll have the answer. And he'll say what the guy's doing, and you want to fly him in. I mean, I don't. I can't even give you an analogy of – of another profession where you could have somebody like that. Like you just have prints on tap when you, you know, when you feel like you're offbeat a little bit, you know, <laughs> that yeah. type of, that type of greatness just to be able to ask him is, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's surprising that the only thing is if he'll, if he's willing to do it or not, you know, and you just got to hope he is. And if he is willing to do it, you hire him. And he's ready. And that's yeah. when he, that's when he was ready. He felt that time yeah. was right. He's been away from the game long enough, you know, and still had that role, had his, had his toe in, as he says, but now he's in. This is a whole different thing being in uniform than before. They would say, look, Ozzy's struggling up at, uh, you know, in double A with the, with, you know, from the left side of plate or whatever. And they'd fly him in or, or you drive up there and work with him, you know, uh, or Dansby. They had him and Dansby meet during the winter a couple of years ago and go over some stuff that Dansby was doing and then work on it in the cage in the week that Chipper was at spring training. And Austin Riley, yeah. same thing. He flew him to, you know, he had him work with Austin when Austin was in AAA, you know, that, but now he's going to be there. And now they can, yeah. they don't have to wait for him to get there or show him films of what this guy's been doing. He's going to be watching it, like you said. And he could just, they could, he can, and Chipper won't even hesitate to go up and show a guy something too. And they all know him because he's not the 60 year old guy. They all saw him, they all grew up watching this guy. Yep. Well, yeah, you got instant street cred when you walk in the clubhouse. Total but, respect. You know, you know, another, another thing of, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> this, there's a lot to that. And a lot of people want to say that, you know, sometimes guys as good as him aren't the best coaches because they didn't experience failure. They didn't do this. But and that's just that just depends on the guy. You know, right. I mean, there's people that suck at right. playing and they suck at coaching, too. You know, I mean, it's just about your ability to communicate. But his the analogies he uses, the ways he saw things and he knew what he was doing. I mean, I just every time you hear the guys talk about that. Yeah, I spent 20 minutes with Chipper and it changed my swing. I've never, I've never had a guy explain to me in such simple terms that you can understand. Because a lot of times right, hitters, right, hitters yeah. will talk to people who aren't hitters. They'll talk to people like me and explain it. And you think you get it, you get most of it, but Chipper makes it so clear that you're even going, ah, yeah, Dansby's back foot was sliding. And I see where, yeah, now the, he has this drill now that he can that he can do and go back to if he's getting out of sync that Chipper showed him. So it makes so much sense the way Chipper explains it. So I'm seeing where a lot of guys are visual. They have to be shown stuff, you know. And yep. And I can see where Chipper, his the way that he gets two guys, explains it to him. It'll really take where you know it might not with some other hitting coach or whatever. So, and and you know, and to, uh, to Sites' credit, here's a guy. Sites is a really good hitting coach. Been on some some teams that have done some great things. They keep adding hitting coaches, and he never says, no, nah, enough, man. My, my, I'm going to lose some of my authority here. He's not at all threatened. He loves no. having Chipper there. He goes, I love having that guy. We're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Every time we talk about somebody, we're on the same page. It's just making your job easier. You know, yeah. As long as you don't have an ego driving it right. and you want the credit for everything, you have to be cool with guys saying, well, Chipper brought this up and it made a big change. You know, yeah. 
you can't be puffing your chest out like I'm the hitting coach. I'm supposed to get credit for it. And if as long as you can put your ego aside, I mean, why wouldn't you want Chipper? Just to, it's like a cheat code. Yeah. And Snit, and Snit's the best manager to have for that, you know, because he has no ego. And then Sites yeah. has been around both a long playing career, a good playing career, and then he's coached for long enough that he ain't looking for, you know, the credit and all that. You know, he's so comfortable in his own skin. So perfect spot for Chipper to be doing this. And I, obviously he's Mr. Brave. I mean, after Hank Aaron, he's the guy most identified with the Braves. So yeah. great hire. Great hire for the Braves. Uh, let's go over these protocols real quick. Uh, they had uh, – the, the ones that are going to be back that we talked about, they're going to be seven inning doubleheaders. We both, I think, agreed. I love them. I think it's great. <laughs> they should never go back to nine inning doubleheader games, in my opinion. And the runner at second base, extra inning rule. I thought I'd hate it. I loved it. Your thoughts? Man, I'm torn because I mean, you're changing the game. You're, you're kind of putting yep. not really a time limit on it, but you're changing the game in a way that, you know, it's, it's just not. I like it as a fan. Yeah. You know, I like it when I got somewhere to be and and I like right. it for I you know, yeah. I like it for bringing new people into the game because you're not you're not having people sit from the ninth until the 14th inning until the game's over, you right. know. Or the double headers, I like it for saving arms and getting through that tough season last right. year, but Exactly. Oh, there's just part of me that I, I, you're changing the whole game, you know. It, it's maybe I just don't like the change. Well, you're a relief a, pitcher. So coming from yeah. you, that's that's a that's pretty good for the rule uh, when you're not just ripping it, you know, as a relief pitcher of anybody, well, if anybody's going to hate it, it would be a relief pitcher. And the fact well, you don't I'm, hate it. I would hate it because you don't get the end gotta, of the run though. You, well, yeah, but you still get the loss and <laughs> exactly. people still hate you when you're exactly. standing on the mound and the game's over, you know, <laughs> I mean, if I'd, I'd rather take the earned run and not have to pitch <laughs> and, and throw a runner a second. But yeah. I guess, you know, it's just a matter of making them earn it and, and you give teams a chance that that can't manufacture runs and do those little those little things in the game that that win games, yeah. you know, especially playoff games and and big games or you know down the stretch that it could be decided a team a team with a a, a bullpen twice as deep as yours loses their edge when you get to just throw a runner on second base and it ends in one inning, you know. So there's just that that type of stuff. I mean, it kind of bothers me, but as far as just watching the game and having somewhere to be and getting people into it. You know, yeah. I think it's it's the entertainment value is pretty high. Well, Kranitz as a guy who loved their bullpen last year and gave them so much credit for what they were able to do. He loves it. And the reason yeah. he likes it is like – Saves your pen. Yeah. He said, let's not come back from the year we had last year and then get into – this was before it was decided. He goes, and then do something – we're playing 25 innings all of a sudden in the first week of the season, you know. Yeah. And you're just wearing out your pen. You got to – and you can't do it. And you got to bring all these guys up. It only made sense this year again with COVID because you're still not going to have you're going to have these protocols where you you have a limited number of guys you can bring up. You can't just fly in anybody you want anytime. Yeah. So you got to you got to remember that all. So it made perfect sense this year. I'll be interested to see if they keep it going forward when we're out of COVID. By then, yeah, two years of it, I think enough people are going to like it though that I think it's going to stick. That's just my opinion. Yeah, it's it, some of you know a lot of the changes they make. I try to think. Just I try to just step back and and think of it as you, you, the same thing with the three batter minimum. Like you, you're taken away from the diehard fans and and really passionate baseball fans that understand right. how moves add up and a manager has to manage these situations. Right. Um, but the goal right now is to bring new fans in. So I think the stuff like that, you know, ending the game in the tenth instead of the sixteenth, you got a lot better chance that kid wants to sit through another game tomorrow. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, entertainment-wise, I, I think the stuff's pretty good. I, I just don't like changing changing the game um, right. that drastically, you know, and giving teams that advantage, and it sucks for relievers. It would. It, it's better than, say, football with sudden death, though, you know? That's – that's where I can't I can't stand that. That's where so much luck is involved. I don't think luck is yeah. involved here because both teams get to bat still. Yeah, yeah. And but you got, you, you it, got a big advantage being the home team and just a free runner in second base if you put up a zero. Right, right. You got to You got to As you've got time now to think about it. Like last year, you had all year to do it, and you've had all year to think about it. Snit said, you know, like a month ago, he still didn't know what the right strategy would be. But at least you've had time now to think about it, and you got all spring training to think about it too. So there's not going to be any excuses. <laughs> Figure out what you're going to do <laughs> when it happens. Well, you if know? you're on the road, I think you walk the first guy every time. Uh huh. But you can't do it. You can't do it when you're the home team because then you you might be risking a two spot. Right. Right. But if you're in a if you're in a we're going to get walked off at this run scored situation, then uh-huh. you walk that first guy every single time. You know, I mean, there's there's some strategy to it, but it, it does take away some too, and it just makes it easier. It makes it easier for the other team. But like I said, entertainment wise, easier sometimes better. And the seven inning games to me is a no brainer because. Two nine inning games. It just it it it's such a long <laughs> a day long in the yard day. for everybody. I know. And you wear out your team. You got to bring in other guys. Uh, it's terrible for fans. Hardly anybody can sit through the whole thing. You know. Uh, oh, you sit through a two it to you sit through two nine inning day uh, games in the middle of summer in Atlanta. Yeah, and if it's split, then you got to time it. You don't know. You know. It, it, yeah. yeah I don't know how fans do that. Yeah, I don't either. We get to go inside, cool off, shower, eat some food. I don't know how they sit through one game. Bacon in those seats. I don't know how they sit through one. I look out there on a Sunday day game, and it's 95 in Atlanta, and there's no shade, and they're sitting in the sun. I'm like, how do you even do that? (laughs) Why would you want to do that? I don't know. (laughs) But I'm glad they do. (laughs) Yeah. Protocols, uh, a lot of these are the same as they were last year, only they're all spelled out now when we see them, and there's there's some actual penalties. Yeah. that the big thing is they're going to wear these sensors that they have in NFL and NBA. Braves, uh, baseball didn't have them last year. They wear these sensors. They're on. They're, they're like they're sewn into the jerseys, or they're. I'm not sure where they're going to be in baseball uniforms, but that's why they are in basketball. They're like sewn into the jersey, little thing you came and see them. Uh, and they enable clubs to know teams know they can monitor social distance, and you'll know how long you were close to somebody. So then, if somebody tests positive. They can go back and tell how long you were near this person, and they'll know who needs to sit out and get tested and sit out for a couple of days or whatever. If you were around within proximity to this person, it's pretty crazy stuff, man. But uh, I just don't understand how you're not around all your teammates at some point. You know, well, that's I guess, why they have everybody you know spread yeah, apart. Those ideally, you and know, all those different. Yeah, if you're sitting by your teammate in the dugout for you know between innings, you're going to be. Yeah, you're gonna have it if he has. So that's what I'm curious about. If like the relievers even hang out with the the regulars during the day, you know, like yeah, do you even know. see them? Because if just what the dynamic is in the clubhouse, if you know, I know there's different times for the gym and all that stuff, but it, yeah, it just it blows my mind they're able to have such good chemistry last year with all these hoops to jump through. Yeah, um, they will be subject. Let's see, unlike last season, they will be subject to potential discipline for violating the protocols, including suspensions or forfeiture of salary if they miss time. Uh, many of the, let's see, we have, he, this is some of the, the covered individuals. They are, that's the term used for 
everybody that's in the plant. So players, other on-field personnel, managers, coaches, umpires, and a limited number of essential staff who must come into close proximity to players. Those are the covered individuals. Okay, so prior to reporting to spring training, covered individuals and any other members of their household must conduct a five-day at-home quarantine. Covered individuals are encouraged to obtain a PCR test for COVID-19 from a local testing provider in the week prior to traveling to spring training, should not travel to the club site if the result is positive. Upon arriving at spring training, covered individuals must undergo an intake screening consisting of at least a temperature check, PCR test, and rapid antibody test. That was what they were doing last What's year. What's a PCR test? That's like the high, that's a, that the really accurate COVID test. Okay. Uh, which one is that? Uh, involves what saliva and nose? I'm, I oh, know I got you. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. It's a really accurate, okay. unlike some yeah, of the I'm ones sure. that aren't real accurate. The more expensive one. Uh, testing will continue at least every other day through spring training, the regular season, and if necessary, the postseason. Uh, MLB, in conjunction with clubs, will offer free pre-CR and antibody testing for those who live in the same household as covered individuals on at least a weekly basis when the club is at home. Clubs are strongly encouraged to offer testing to such household members while the team is on the road so that results are returned prior to the club's return to the home city. Man, it's complicated stuff. To facilitate yeah. contact tracing, every covered individual must wear the Connexon contact tracing device at all times while in club facilities and during club-directed travel and while oh, engaged in team activities, including workouts and practices. Yeah, I don't oh, know. that'll keep you from hitting up Magic City on the off day. <laughs> you know, supposedly they can't use it for things like that to tell where you were and all that. It's only for contact in contact with other with somebody you know other people that have this and tested positive. So, but that's yeah. It. But I wonder if you got it, if they could go back and look at you know if they're checking your contact well, tracing, they're gonna if you have it, they're gonna see every step you took. The players put it in there that they could not use that for discipline or whatever. But let's Good. see. Repeated failure to wear the devices or repeated failure to return the devices to the connection device docking station may be basis for discipline. <laughs> you mess up and just throw it in the <laughs> Hudson River. <laughs> I don't know where they have it when they're traveling, though. Where, where do they put it when you're traveling? If you got to have like. It must be like a bracelet or anklet or, or something. something you, you know, or somewhere. something you put in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Any player data or information collected from a connection contact tracing device, either directly or indirectly, shall be used only to determine close contact exposures under this provision and may not be used to discipline a player. So during the 2021 season, including spring training and postseason, covered individuals may not attend or enter any of the following events or establishments and should discourage any other members of their household from doing the same. Indoor gatherings of 10 or more people, indoor restaurants or dining areas, bars, lounges, clubs, or like establishments, fitness and wellness centers centers not affiliated with the club or MLB. Players also must invite personal trainers into their home, must not invite personal trainers right. into their home or see them on the road. Entertainment venues, gaming and other venues, including bowling alleys, arcades, casinos, and pool halls. That's cutting out a whole lot of places, man. Ah, uh, oh, man, I'm this. I'm just. I'm thinking. Eight you months. know, it's a long season with your freedom. You Eight, know, it's, nine it's months. A, it's it's a redundant long 162 game season. Uh, it, I, I think a lot of guys are going to struggle, especially early before they get used to the. 
I could almost see guys opting out, you know, just hitting the wall in like June and just going home. <laughs> their team sucks. You know? Their team sucks. <laughs> their team like, sucks. Gone. And they got like a five year deal. Just <laughs> and Angelton, this ain't worth. Angelton opted out last year with a, with week, a week to left. go. And he's a yeah. free agent. <laughs> that yeah. one didn't look good. He's no, just, I think done, he was, man. his was like some mental health issues or something. I'm he said done he was having. <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah, I, I, I could see it happening. You know, once you get to June or something. Yeah. Guys, just saying, this enough. Your I'm team going doesn't home. make any moves. You're out of it. You're like, screw yeah. this. I'm done. Especially yeah. if you're going to be a free agent, <laughs> or if you, you know, if you're a veteran on a, uh, you sign a minor league deal for a million. You've yeah. already made a bunch of money, and yeah, and the team sucks. You just bounce. <laughs> In addition, members of the team traveling party on the road are not permitted to leave the hotel other than for team activities at the team facility or ballpark for medical reasons, to travel with the team, for outdoor walks or exercise. So they, you know, that's, you can, you say can walk to the beach then, you know, you can swim. <laughs> yep. For other low risk outdoor activities or any, or in extraordinary circumstances. So while on the road, members of the traveling party will be permitted to eat outdoors at offsite restaurants, but not bars, lounges, clubs, casinos, or other environments like environments that are walking distance from the team hotel you could say five miles is walking distance for me. Hey, man. That's what I was just thinking. Like that, I'm power guys walk. don't usually walk too far, but you're going to see some <laughs> long walks out of. Look at my walking <laughs> shoes, man! I can walk ten miles. Uh, Trying to figure out how far the meatpacking district is from 40th Street, and <laughs> or you know, our guys, access, will, guys will stretch it, or are accessed via transportation that is arranged or approved by the club and complies with other protocols. Subject to continual approval from MLB and MLBBA. I'm sure they'll have like some limo places on the road and stuff that are approved. I don't know. Yeah. Covered individuals may not meet with any guests or persons who are not part of the traveling party, whether at the team hotel, in their individual hotel room, or elsewhere. <clears throat> they will be permitted to meet outdoors with other household, uh, with household or family members in the vicinity of the team hotel or in private or semi-private outdoor spaces at a team hotel. So you can't have visitors. No, that's tough. Each club may create its own club-specific off-field code of conduct supplement. Wait, can you bring, can they bring their family on? they probably yeah. not allowed to bring, uh, you know, you can't have your wife come to a city with you and hang out in the hotel. I think she can, but she got to pass all the protocols. And she'd have to follow those same yes. protocols too. Yes. So. She can't go anywhere on the road. There's no point. Can't go shopping, yeah. can't go to restaurants, yeah. can't go to bars. Yeah. Can't go to the games. I'm sure some guys, you know, especially newlyweds and stuff, they'll still do it, you know, still just have yeah. her hang out. But yeah, but if, you know, a lot of guys like bringing their family to, you go to Miami, they bring right. them and let them hang out at the pool and all that stuff. That That's crazy, man. That's, I think they could guys do that struggle. technically and let them hang out on the beach because they say yeah. you could do that. You could swim or whatever out there, you know, but they can't go anywhere else. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. Especially if you have little kids or whatever. There's no way you can do Dude, it. Dude, I mean, whew, no we're hitting. We did pretty well. I got two two boys that are just bouncing off the walls. We're starting to hit that wall where you could it do rains it here kids. a lot. We're stuck in the house and it's loud. And me and my wife had enough. <laughs> you couldn't do it with kids because they couldn't even run around the hotel. You know, they'd have to stay. No, in, yeah, they'd be in that room and you yep. order like a. You know, you'd have five hundred dollars in room service every day. They couldn't go to the play little playroom or whatever unless it was set aside for the team or whatever, like they had in the uh, playoffs. Right. They did that postseason thing. They could do that, but that gets expensive. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff, but they could do that, especially for a trip or two, you know? Yeah. 
Each club may create its own club-specific off. Okay, now, any covered individuals who are found to have violated the code of conduct or a club-specific off-field code of conduct are subject to participant to potential discipline, including but not limited to suspension or forfeiture of salary for days spent away from the club while in mandatory self-isolation or quarantine resulting from the violation, subject to the just cause provision of the collective bargaining agreement. So it's going to suck. All personnel. Off the field is going to be tough for these guys. Yeah. All personnel must wear a face covering and, where appropriate, additional PPE at all times when in club facilities. MLB and MLBPA will work with public health authorities on issues related to availability and timing of vaccinations for players, staff, and other individuals subject to the protocols. Vaccination for COVID-19 will be voluntary for all players. However, MLB and MLBPA will strongly encourage players to undergo vaccination at the appropriate time. Spring training, total number of players that may be invited to spring training. You saw the thing, right, where they're going to do this uh, spring training for Florida now is different? Yeah. It's like kind of zones. Yeah, pods. You're going to play teams uh, uh, that are divided east and west coast, and then on the west coast, they're going to divide that too. So you're not even going to go up to like play the Yankees and Phillies and Tigers. You're going to play the teams. Fortunately for the Braves, where they are now, there's like six teams, eight teams within a half hour. They would have been totally screwed at Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> there would have been no team within a half hour except the Tigers. Yeah. So um, – and yes, Florida's tough. Florida, like yeah. Arizona's easy. Easy. They don't yeah, have to change anything minutes. there. Yeah. Uh, they let's see. You have no the, the total number of players that may be invited to spring training for each club is subject to approval of MLB, but no club may invite or accommodate more than seventy-five players and seventy-five staff. They won't have the minor leagues there. They're gonna have a separate. They won't be there at all. So they're gonna have the run of the whole place, and they want them to use it all, all the fields to be able to separate guys to have that social distancing where they can. It's crazy. The minor leagues is just gone. They're going to start late. They haven't even figured it all out yet. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like guys are losing. It's your age is everything. You can't lose two years. You cannot lose two years. They got to do something, man. It's still going to be, I mean, this is going to, a lot of careers are are getting wrapped up right now. Yeah. And that was Juco. This get season tickets to your local junior college baseball team because it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Despite these limits, clubs should continue to utilize all available space and facilities at their spring training location to prevent overcrowding. Uh, Covered individuals and any members of their spring training household must quarantine at home throughout the duration of spring training with the following exceptions. For club-directed baseball activities and club facilities or to travel with the team, to engage in individual physical activity outside, walking, jogging, to participate in other physical activities, e.g. golf, where government or industry guidelines on COVID-19 safety and prevention are being followed, so they can go golf. To perform essential activities, e.g. purchasing groceries, takeout meals, medicine, or other necessary supplies, obtaining medical care. So you can't go to the grocery store. Outdoor dining, but not at a bar, lounge, club, casino, or like establishment. Effective March 1st, subject to continued approval from the MLB and MLBPA. Uh, for children to attend school, organized extracurricular activities, and for household members unaffiliated with MLB to attend work. They can do those things. Mm. In extraordinary circumstances, such as the birth of a child or documented severe illness or death in the family. Uh, man, your kids, your kids got to live a Spartan life, don't they? Man, it's my kids are 
I'm not even trying. I don't have all these protocols, and we're they're struggling. I mean, dude, it's going to be tough. It's really tough on on the wives too that are stuck with all these protocols and yeah, husbands on the road. You know, no doubt. I, I, we need some answer. We need to wrap this thing up. We need some light at the end of the tunnel. And then, the, yeah, and then, the, and then, just other thing here is the spring training is going to be divided into three phases. Beginning with the individual and small group workouts phase, that's phase one, followed by larger or full team workouts, phase two, and then concluding with a limited number of spring training games. I think they're going to play 24 now with the, that's not, that's only like six fewer and that's enough anyway, but the others will be inner squads. So you're going to have some days where you don't play anybody, you're just going to inner squads. Um, phase one should cover the period from when players report until February 20th. So that'd be like 3D days for pitchers and catchers. Clubs must begin spring training with individual small group workouts. Players should be divided into small groups and assigned times and areas of the complex. During phase two, from February 21st to February 26th, that's basically the time leading up to the first full squad workout. Team workouts still broken down into smaller workout groups when possible. Workout groups should be staggered and assigned times throughout the day. However, larger group workouts and inter-squad games are permitted in this phase. And then phase three will begin exhibition games February 27th or 28th. Games that occur, oh, this is pretty interesting too, February 27th through March 13th may be shortened to seven-inning games or five-inning games upon mutual agreement of both managers. So Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Half the time, you don't want to finish it anyway. Exactly. So those all those games where you see minor leaguers who you're never going to see again play the last five innings of games, they can just <laughs> yeah. stop after five innings if they want. <laughs> that should be the rule forever. Yeah, you don't have to bring all those extra guys, and you won't have them there anyway because there's not going to be. But there's only going to be seventy five, so you can't have all those fence jumpers from minor league camp. I guess you just you didn't want to do that in the past because there's fans that paid tickets. Right. But even just give them a let those guys have a home run derby or something, and the rest of the guys go home. Right. So if you're a fan and you're paying to see, you're going to see the regulars play as much as you would have anyway, which is not much yeah. early on. But that game could stop after five innings, so don't be going to get your t- your money back. <laughs> it's going to say it right on it, I'm sure. Games that occur on or after March 14th shall be nine-inning games, uh, and upon mutual agreement of both managers can be shortened to seven-inning games. All right. So, uh, and then just, uh, we don't go through all these, but potential rescheduling. MLB has the right during the regular season to relocate clubs to neutral sites, spring training sites, or other clubs' home ballparks and or reschedule games contained in the season if necessary for health and safety reasons. There were a couple of those cases last year where teams could have been moved elsewhere, you know, like when Miami was having its problems and Blue Jays uh, went to Buffalo, right? Yeah, they moved to Buffalo because that was a national thing up there. They couldn't teams yeah. couldn't go in without quarantining. So yeah, I could see, you know, like if they crack down, say in LA or Seattle, you know, and don't let them, you know, you have to quarantine when you come to this. I could see the MOV moving a team, obviously, to a Yeah, I mean, place. and what's the difference anyway? You can't yeah. you could be a this, it doesn't matter what city you're in, you can't go anywhere. And and unless you're if you're in a city where they're not letting fans in anyway, which would be the case in those places we're talking about, then it wouldn't matter to the fans either. So Right. Um with the consent of MLBPA, which shall not unreasonably withheld, shall not be MLB also has the right to conduct some or all postseason in neutral sites, including other clubs, home ballparks, or to delay the start of the postseason in order to reschedule championship uh, regular season games following the completion of the season. So if they need to line up a lot of makeup games, they can do that and delay the playoffs or play them neutral site like they did last year. Um, 
they, I know they hope that's not the case by then, but who knows? We don't know. We're at the mercy of this damn virus. Uh, yeah. Uh, then the other thing, may MLB have the right to reschedule any game postponed due to COVID-19 as a seven-inning split or straight doubleheader. Each club's first four games rescheduled due to COVID-19 as a seven-inning split doubleheader shall not count against the limitation on split doubleheaders in the CBA. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, eh, there's, they're not going to, if they're, if a player tests positive, they're not going to suspend, they're not going to, uh, uh, suspend a game or postpone a game. It doesn't, if it's just one player games will not be postponed for competitive reasons, provided the club has a sufficient number of players available on its taxi squad or its alternate site to replace those players on the active roster who are unavailable to play. In other words, teams are going to be able to have a five man taxi squad, so if you're on the road and you have three or four guys test positive or five guys test positive and you still have enough in your taxi squad to play, those positions are covered, they're going to play the game. Or if you're at home, theoretically, you could have seven guys test positive and you could go get those guys from your alternate site and still play the game. Gotcha. I think that's smart. You know, as long yeah. as you know, you know, you have this, this mechanism now that tells you who's been close to those people and who's in danger of having it, then I think that's pretty smart. You don't have to shut just it all down. Just get the games in any way yeah. possible. You don't have to shut it down for one guy testing positive, which you've seen a lot in like college hoops. You know. Yeah, I mean that that might be the only upside of expanded playoffs right now is if a team was hit. Yeah. You know, it could give them a shot to to still get in, but yeah, I mean you just whatever you have to do to get the games in until this thing's over. And then the commissioner determines that it is a safe if if the commissioner determines it's a safe to play a scheduled game and the players association or individual players disagree, the joint Probably committee no <laughs> the joint committee will make the final determination whether it is safe to stage a game. If a club refuses to participate in a game which the joint committee determines should proceed, the club shall forfeit the game. That'll be such bad optics though. I don't I don't be. think I, I think the legal just if you if you said we're not playing that there's like a one percent chance they say you know the, it should be played and it's safe. There's something you might recognize the importance of this. I don't uh, use of communal video terminals is prohibited during games. Players will have access to tablets under the dugout iPad program that can be loaded with content before and after games, and will have access to in-game video in a format that cannot be used to steal the catcher signs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, as long as there's a delay on video and everything like that, whatever. Yeah, no media access, the same crap. We don't get to go to uh, – you guys don't care about that. But needless to say, we're not going to be able to go into clubhouses again until this thing clears up. And uh, coverage will hurt as a result because we're at the mercy of Zooms. So, uh, let's see. Was there any more? No, there's some others down here, but this gets monotonous. Some fine, $100 fine. <laughs> Oh, I saw that one was ridiculous. I'm like, are you kidding me? With the money players to make, you think finding them 100, 150 bucks is going to do anything? And that's after what, like two written warnings? Yes, yeah, so you get a written <laughs> warning for the first five. It's just for wearing your mask, you know, when you're not in the game. Uh, so you get written warning, written warning. And then if you if you just, you know, rule breaker, <laughs> just a rebel, $150 fine after oh, the third violation. God. That's even worse than equipment fines. It's like nobody cares. Like just take it out of my paycheck, whatever, dude. One hundred fifty bucks after two warnings. Yeah, yeah. Pay him one hundred fifty dollars to open the envelope. You're gonna see a lot. In. Last year, you saw quite a few guys not wearing masks, like in the dugout and stuff. You're not gonna yeah. see that this year, man. 
They got it. All on-field personnel, including players, must wear face coverings appropriately. Covering yeah, they had, the nose they had time to mouth. organize. Covering the nose and mouth. Yeah. You see that all the time, like in basketball, these coaches with their mask hanging down around their back. They, they, they never wear them right. Yeah. <clears throat> At all times in the dugout and bullpen, except pitchers and catchers warming up in the bullpen. Players who violate the requirement, subject to discipline, <laughs> like you said, written warning, written warning, then a fine in the amount of $150 per violation. Hey, Trevor Bauer makes that in like five seconds. <laughs> you could steal $150 from him <laughs> 25 times a day for the rest of his life. He'd never notice. <laughs> oh, and then the roster transactions. Uh, this one's a little interesting. 4 p.m. on February 12th, each club must, right before spring training, must submit a roster of 75 total players for spring training. By 12 p.m. on opening day, each club must submit a 26-player opening day roster as well as a list of up to 28 players that will be assigned either to the AAA affiliate or the alternate training site. That, to me, says they're leaving it open, that that, that they're not sure yet what's going to be going yeah. on, that you might yeah. have a AAA team playing. So, you know, like last year, maybe you have Gwinnett is playing instead of, you know, you're using it as an alternate site, but... I just don't know how you can coordinate. This stuff costs a lot of money. You know, the tracking, the the travel, the, the I don't know how you can coordinate it on a AAA budget. No, no. And that's why you're going to have to have this this thing limited to these 75 guys. So you're not going to be able to bring a guy up from your AA team, you know, if you right. have a AA season, you know. None of it's happening. Any player. You know, I don't think any of it will happen until COVID's over. Any player on a major league injured list who does not remain with the club also will be assigned to the alternate training site, but will not count against the 28 player maximum. So it's going to be like, just like last year, as far as the alternate site and the guys coming up from there playing those inter squad games and everything, I guess. You know what I think they could pull off is, is like an instructional league type thing, you know, down using, using the spring training sites and just having, yeah. uh-huh. cause I'm just trying to think of a way to get your minor leaguers, uh-huh. something out of the year that aren't your top guys. I think that's been discussed. Yeah. That's what like they'd that. have to do. I think. Yeah. So you have the taxi squad, five additional players, including at least one catcher on all road trips up to five. Uh, they will not receive major league service and will not be paid at the minor and will be paid at the minor league rate, but will be entitled to the major league daily allowances of $110 per day with the clubs on the road. So you're getting your per diem regardless of whether the club provides meals. So that's nice if you're a minor league guy. You can, Extra three grand cash a month. Yeah, that's you nice. can sock that aside on one trip. You get over a thousand bucks. That's a lot more than they're probably making, you know, uh-huh. if it was a normal season. In a month? Yeah. Wow. They're permitted to work out with the major league team, but not permitted to be in uniform and in the dugout during games. And there's some stuff about hotels. <laughs> hotels must reserve a sufficient number of rooms for members of the traveling party on lower floors, if at all possible, such as so, so that stairs, not elevators, can be used for leaving and returning. <laughs> I love this one. Hotels must provide a dedicated dining area in a provided location of the hotel, in a private location of the hotel, for use by members of the traveling party. Traveling party is not permitted to leave the hotel to eat or otherwise at any restaurants in the hotel or otherwise open to the public except for outdoor curbside pickup or food or beverage. Man, that sucks Shit. as a player because that's what it guys does. used to love going out, you know, and getting a good lunch, going out to dinner on days off or late after games, all that stuff. Well, it's how you stay sane too. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a way to get your mind off. If you just sit in the hotel room, you just sit there and think about baseball. 
the game hanging over you. You go play some golf. You take your mind off it. You go fish. You go eat some lunch. You go explore the city. You know, it's, it's hard to be in baseball mode all the time and your brain can't handle it. So that, that's what I'm saying. Guys are going to get beat down this uh-huh. year mentally. But there's nothing they can do about it. You quit or follow the rules. Guys talked about last year about how hard it was, that it was harder mentally and more draining than a 162-game season. Everybody said that. Yeah, now you got 162 yes. with, with more protocol. <laughs> and I know some broadcasters like ESPN that went in and did like their before-game interview with Snit. And they said like in that in the last couple of weeks of the season, Snit told them, guys, I'm more tired than I have ever been at the end of a long yeah. season in the minor leagues or the major leagues. So imagine well, following mental, that. mental grind too, yeah. following that protocol, like always remembering yeah. all this stuff that you're not used to. Yeah, it might be a little easier this year after going through it, but easier. It's going to be tough. Easier, but that light at the end of the tunnel is going to be so so far, far away. God. <laughs> I mean, when you're spending over half of your year in this lockdown. Oh man, you know it's crazy because in in the major league season, I'd always get to late July, and it would just I just hit a wall mentally where I'm like. I'm ready for playoffs or go home. You yeah. know, the season just goes on forever. It's such a long year. And I always tell myself, if I can just get through August, then the clock kind of starts ticking down. So August is like that hardest month, but that it probably would have been like that from, from like May last year. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how these guys are going to do it. I mean, on, on the one hand, I don't even want to travel right now and I haven't traveled, you know, and, and I don't even want to get in a plane. I'm going to have to eventually, but, uh, so, so, you know, being in lockdown, I'm getting, I'm used to it at home. I don't go to the grocery store. We get most of our groceries delivered, you know, all that. Yep, same with but, us. But if you're a player, you're going to be in these cities. So it's going to yeah. feel worse when you're in this room, even if it's a nice room. Oh, yeah. You're looking out <laughs> that New York City view at yeah. about 10 o'clock on an off day. And it's like. You can't go to a good here. restaurant that's sitting right no. there, you know, two blocks from the hotel. You can't go have, you know, a drink at a bar. Well, and they're going to see people because they got stricter rules. They're yeah. going to be seeing people heading out. <laughs> you know, no way to get through it without some guys. Oh, some guys are going to mess up. Bad. Yeah, some teams without discipline or without good leaders, leadership's going to be yeah. important this year, man. Yeah, if you got the wrong guy setting the tone, ooh, you know, yeah. if you have James Harden setting the tone for the Rockets, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Man, I hope we didn't numb anybody sleep with all those rules, but it's more was to go a long over. one. Got to go over them once in a while, you know? Yeah. But anyway, all right, listen, uh, we will get back to a normal schedule here real soon, and uh, we'll be doing it every week when spring training starts, and then we'll we'll move into the twice a week before the end of spring training. But for now, uh, we'll spring training right around the corner, man. It's less than two yeah. weeks. It's a Can't week and a half. It. Week and a half. <laughs> Yep. A week. I mean, it's pitchers and catchers are reporting in a week, dude. Coming out of nowhere. It, it happens like that every year. This year more than ever because the moves have happened so late. Yeah. But all right. Well, it's good. And uh hope you guys are excited. It's gonna I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a fun year, man, watching these Braves. And I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with this rotation and uh Yeah. Being able to match up and the division, teams. tough division. Tough division, be dude. Competitive we haven't division. even talked about that. We'll talk about that next no. show, but this division yep. is the toughest in baseball, in my opinion. Yep. The West got a, is top heavy. They got a couple of great teams at the top. But this division, when you're looking at, you know, you say like the Marlins. And I, Marlins went to the playoffs last year, you know? <laughs> yeah. Phillies made some huge offseason additions. The Mets obviously got money out the yin-yang now. And the Nationals have made some moves, you know? Yep. They went to World Series. They won the World Series two years ago. Easily the toughest division in baseball, in my opinion. Easily. Me too. 
All right, we'll talk about that next show. 755 right. is real. We're out of here. Thanks for hanging in there with us. <laughs>